What are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. I have been every voice you have ever heard inside your head. Oh, they fly now! They fly now? They fly now! <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to the alternate cut. Today we're taking a look at 2019's, I think, complete miss known as Rise of Skywalker, but we'll dive more into that now. Do you guys have any opening remarks, any opening comments about this film? So, for the life of me, I can't find this article, but uh, <laughs> I remember uh, the big, big red flag. I, I read an article interviewing J.J. Abrams about Carrie Fisher's presence in the movie after she had passed. And uh, he actually quoted her, one of her lines, saying, We have everything we need. Uh, so, <laughs> I, the moment that, like, that, I'm like, okay, that's, that's not good. That's, like, alarms blaring everywhere. And then the title. And <laughs> I think that was, uh, that was enough to kind of gauge my expectations going in. And even with low expectations, this didn't really meet it. Yeah, this movie's a disaster. <laughs> like, from start to finish, this movie sucked. <laughs> it, from the beginning, even from the beginning, like, the title crawl, even in the opening things, they're like, sorry about Last Jedi, but Palpatine, isn't that cool? They literally... It, it, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They just they just swept all of 8 under the rug and just, just tried to hide it with fan service. The whole... This whole movie is just fan service. It's hilarious. Palpatine shouldn't be here. There's no reason for him to be here. They literally force light speed jump through Bespin for no reason, just because people are like, "Oh, Cloud City, cool." Like, why? Yeah, I was actually talking to Alp about that when we were watching it the, about the light speed jump there. Uh, it's funny because in The Force Awakens, uh, we set up this rule about how dangerous light speed is, right? What because that's the only way they can do it is yeah. to get into Starkiller Base. They have to hyperspace through the shield. And then in Last Jedi, we see exactly how bad hyperspace can be in like the wrong conditions. And then in this one, they're just whipping it back and forth through all these random places. They're whipping Nene all <laughs> through the goddamn galaxy. And I was just like, what? what was the point of putting all that hyperspace stuff in to set rules? It's like, hey guys, this is actually very dangerous if you were going to pull this shit anyway. I just don't understand oh it. God. And... Going back to the swept under the rug thing, that's the perfect, perfect way to describe this movie. This entire movie is basically attempt to sweep everything under the rug and cut off all loose ends as fast as possible. And you'd think that that makes a good, concise, story-driven film. No, it, it just makes a bit of a... A bit of a mess if i'm being honest and it just kind of sucks yeah this movie's two and a half hours long <laughs> why why and, why why oh my god it's so exhausting like the movie breaks all the rules that like 42 years of the franchise kind of lays out the movie is like all it's so obvious with all the corporate and like items selling meddling meddling just like present and blatantly in your face there um the movie is exhausting to Oh, sorry. Exhausting <laughs> to watch. Swear. I all usually just bleep it out. The move, like, like right off the bat, this is an action-packed movie. It doesn't. It, the only breaks it takes is to do like an occasional plot exposition. That's it. But it's it's so nonstop. I can make a good point when we were watching this. 
literally at the end, they needed the flashing lights of Exegol to keep you awake because you're just so mentally drained from watching all this shit happen nonstop yeah. for two and a half hours. I'm coming, <laughs> right? I'm coming at that straight up from a psychological point of view. It must be, man. The, the electrical flashes, the lightning flashes, are straight up to keep your mind there because your peripherals and everything is constantly active Ooh. by the constant flashing right. of the lights. And that's, I swear to God, they knew that the movie was going to hit a point where people are just like, there's too much action in this. I just don't know what's going on at this point. And they just need it there to like physically keep you up mm -hmm. in this movie. And that's what all, that's what Exegol is to me. That's what I see it as. Before we, before we get too deep into the, uh, the, the yelling at this movie i, I do have a, a watch mojo top 10 things that i liked in <laughs> star wars 9 if you want to hear that i'm not one for i do i okay you know what yeah, let's yeah. do I'm it not, i'm not one it. for uh like it's a miracle any movie gets made oh yeah uh and i'm not really one to take the piss but when it comes to disney i think it's okay <laughs> um but here I got I got some things that I liked. Um, so John Boyega's new hair in this movie is awesome. Yeah, I like it a lot. No, it is. It is if we're starting the list off with John Boyega's hair, yeah. what the hell is that? John Boyega's hair looks great. No, it does. One hundred percent. I just like I don't know how much that. Does that bode well for the rest of the the list or what? I don't what? know. No, no, no. He, he's he's got my interest. Well, he's he's has me hooked. I wonder what number nine is. <laughs> <laughs> so number two um when they when um poe and finn first land on that planet that uh isn't yavin 4 uh, it's the other planet yeah aging claws sure um <laughs> they have a, there's a there's banter between the three oh. of them between ray finn and poe i liked that i thought it was fun it's nice fast pace oh, yeah. and it's, anything that's not ryan johnson's dialogue <laughs> is great Don't um number three the snake was practical i thought that was pretty cool i'm uh always a fan of practical effects except when it's leaving when it's leaving it looks like crap because it's CG, and I I, don't, I did not know it was practical. I th it looks practical to me anyway. When it's when it's there oh. leaning forward, I thought it, I thought it was CGI, but no, I think that's practical. I think when it leaves, it's it it's CG. Oh, maybe I don't know. I might maybe it's nine things. Who cares? I, I, I don't know. Am I stupid? Um, <laughs> uh, the Babu Frick puppet is hilarious. Is. Oh, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. thing looks so funny, and his voice is so funny. Fun fact: I believe the voice of it is Moaning Myrtle from the Harry Potter franchise. I think I, I remember reading that. that too, actually. Makes it even better. <laughs> I'm gonna quickly <laughs> fact check that, but I'm pretty sure yeah. if you can keep going with the list, I'll confirm in a moment. Moment. so number five uh c-3po not remembering anything and just like randomly chiming in with things i thought that was pretty funny like what when they get into the fight he goes my first laser battle i thought that was so funny <laughs> yeah the conversation between kylo and han after uh ray flies away um i thought was really good especially when he says dad and wants to tell him that he loves him and then han cuts him off and says i know i liked that a lot it's a good throwback it's too bad that it's in this <laughs> <laughs> um just for the fact check it is confirmed moaning myrtle does the voice amazing. of that is babu amazing. freak so uh leia training to be a jedi i'm down for that i think that's kind of cool um she i guess she deserves it she's been a badass the whole time that's fine by me um when kylo gets to exegol uh to i guess save ray quote unquote save ray he shoots behind his back uh and he shoots the same way that harrison ford shot in episode seven and that is awesome i like that like it's framed the exact same way and it's like oh he's just like his dad hell yeah it's great it's too bad it's in this movie the behind the back uh now you see me two um lightsaber trick that they did um 
I thought that was fun. They they kind of led into that that whole scene with uh, Ray in Kylo's quarters, and they're having the lightsaber fight without actually having a lightsaber fight, and she's like spilling cranberries all over his thing. I thought that was cool. That's neat. It's a fun. It's a way better fight than the one they have on the piece of the Death Star. And of course, the last thing I liked was all of the voices at the end, all of like Liam Neeson and Sam oh, Jackson yeah. and Hayden okay. Christensen. They all mm-hmm. show up and they're like, "Hey, Freddie Prince Junior too." Freddie Prince Junior, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Kanan, and his voice is in this too. It's awesome. Uh, but other than those particular ten things, maybe nine if the snake is not practical. But I feel like it was because it when it left it looked way worse than when it was just standing there so that makes me think that the standing one is practical uh the rest of this movie sucks <laughs> like yeah if we're talking about the good things about this movie like i mean it's john williams star wars soundtrack that's an easy pass right. um uh but and this movie is visually it, it is nice to look at it's visually striking there's a lot of colors in the right spots um i, I mean but honestly that's pretty much all it's got going for maybe chewy gets some metal in the end i don't know um but yeah a victim to fan service doesn't yeah. allow kind of if, if you remembered what that was when you saw it i literally had to think to myself what the hell that was like i, I got it instantly only because we did a, a star wars marathon just before watching this because we're like hey the last jedi kind of set the bar pretty low right um <laughs> remember hans dice come on guys hans dice no it set the you bar could... low but little did you know mm-hmm. that star wars could limbo <laughs> under this too yeah, they, just, <laughs> they had babu frick on their team babu frick. Babu frick. but oh my god so um, hey so something i i think it's neat at least i almost compare this movie to blade runner 2049 in the sense that Blade Runner gives you all the evidence you need at, like throughout the plot to kind of for you to come to your own conclusions to the point where you believe that that's what's going to happen the same way the character does. This movie, it expects you to come to those conclusions. There's there's no time to mention what's going on. There's no time to literally explain why <laughs> Palpatine is back or Snoke is somehow cloning his Sith technology or whatever. There's no time to explain it. They just, just want you to draw those conclusions yourself without giving you an inch or a thought of anything, really. It's just like... Yeah, this this movie, this Rise of Skywalker could be something very robust if you start going out of your way beyond the TV shows, beyond anything, and you nitpick these ideas and themes from the franchise together, you can draw your own conclusions to convince yourself that, hey, what I'm watching isn't a pile of shit as big as like Jeff Goldblum finds in Jurassic Park. Huh. It's something smaller, like a dog turd on a walk. But um <laughs> that's that's so much work for a movie that frankly isn't worth it for a movie that gets you exhausted in the first 30 minutes just muddled with oh <laughs> oh you feel I feel motion sick just looking at all these quick turns that JJ does. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a camera's in the center of like four stages and he just keeps turning right. <laughs> I did say ugh audibly a yeah. couple times watching this like out loud. Just only me in the room. People would say stuff, and I'd be like, oh, (laughs) come on. Yeah, well, actually, speaking of people saying stuff, uh, one of the biggest things that grind my gears, a little bit of background. So I went to school for screenwriting, and it was only a year-long program at, you know, not like a stellar film school. But one thing they always hammered onto our heads, and this isn't like a small mirror. This is full-on sledgehammered onto our heads. Um, You always have to have a good thing you never want your story to be too convenient because then it's just then it's just too convenient and the one line in this movie that really 
really grinds my gears is when Poe Dameron says, <clears throat> somehow Palpatine returned. The line is somehow Palpatine returned. What the actual f kind of an explanation is that? You couldn't even use the force as tape armor for that. Flex tape for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, what on God's green earth are you going with? And then Mary from Lord of the Rings says, cloning, dark science. <laughs> and then somebody else says, secrets only the Sith knew. That's it. That's the line. And it's like, what do you mean the secrets the only The Republic dark science. had a cloning. cloning. They had all this stuff. Like, okay. I don't know. Oh my but God. Does this Camino exist now? Is that something I missed in like, again, like one of the thundreds of, uh, thundreds, it's like thousands or yeah. hundreds. I can't. Anyways, uh, one of the dozens or hundreds or thousands of side content that somehow says yeah Camino doesn't exist anymore and all their cloning texts wait wait I'm not even even before getting into that that's just that's just me as a Star Wars nerd me as a viewer I'm like oh okay <laughs> we just literally get but, like three lines but man three vague dark lines science, like cloning dark just three to two sentence fragments <laughs> man it's we just had the it just happened we were watching in the background the lines are literally somehow Palpatine returned. And it's like, how do we believe this? And it's just uh, cloning, dark science. And somebody else says, secrets that only the Sith knew. That's what? it. That's it. And then nobody gives the, nobody gives the no. second thought. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. Like, like you, don't, you don't get away with that. Like, That's, again, like, I'm also, like you were saying, Ryan, of the amount of thought the amount of funding, the amount of effort, genuine effort that goes into making these films is unparalleled. And you have to appreciate that. You can't, for any movie like you said, to get made, it is incredible. But when you have millions and millions and millions of dollars being put into the installment that is supposedly going to end the Skywalker saga, which again, supposedly is the word because nothing really ends, there has to be a better product than this. Like there's no way this was the best possible option. And you said it in one of the earlier episodes. Uh, a lot of this trilogy really does feel like last minute decisions after Force Awakens. The Last Jedi and this one in particular are all like, they came to set that day. They're like, so how is the story going today? F it, Palpatine's back. F it, raise Palpatine's granddaughter. F it, give Chewie a medal. Just fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. There's a scene in this movie where a monkey fixes Kylo Ren. It's Renzo. Caesar from Planet of the Apes. They had to keep Andy Serkis. <laughs> a space, a space monkey, Planet of the Apes. He he fixes it. In the okay, also the Knights of Ren are worthless. I know they're absolute garbage. Remember, they do nothing. They stand around like a boy band, and then they just get their asses kicked by one guy. Yeah. Even their shit what is, is that? They're the sick. new, they're the new Boba Fett, man. They just look cool and die. It's all they man, do. That, I'm telling you, they're gonna have a great renaissance, and when it happens, it's gonna be glorious. Yeah, we just—I didn't notice that before. The the scene where Kylo and his entourage of the Knights of Ren are walking or striding through the. Uh, the halls of the uh, whatever oh, ship they're on, that. they're tracking dirt all over that ground. I didn't even notice that. Like they're a dirty group of guys. Like it's like what the f they're the boys, <laughs> the goon squad. You know, <laughs> had a whole section called crimes against characters that this movie committed. Oh, and poor Hux. I counted it. There are bare minimum of seven new named characters introduced in this movie. Seven. What? <laughs> Seven introduced in a two-hour movie as the finale of a trilogy. At least two of these play a very pivotal role in this movie. Like Babu Freak, Dio, 
Um, what else is there? There's the Dio. Yeah, Dio. J- oh, I forget her name. Starts with a J. Jana. Jana only Janna. talks to black people. Yeah, flat out. Jeez. Oh, Unlike uh, Jana, there's she's like, oh, a black Zori character. Bliss. Put her with the other black characters. Like that's literally what happens. Bro, fun fact about Disney. Just look at all their Chinese posters. You're not gonna see Finn or Jana in it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's just flat out. Just just look. Just take a second. Look it up. Look at look up the Force Awakens poster. Compare the American version to the Chinese version, and you're gonna be like, wait, what? Is John Boyega only like two feet tall? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? John Boyega is Babu Free. <laughs> oh my god! In the Chinese version, flat out. It's it's just like so. Oh, it's just so gross. There's just so many lazy cut ends. And yeah, it's a miracle to make a movie. Make it's amazing. All the funding. And even Star Wars. It, it didn't, Rise of Skywalker doesn't have to be bad for it to be successful. Like, it, yeah, it, did, were, it, it was still considered success. The moment you slap that Star Wars name and throw a officially licensed lightsaber on anything. And then suddenly you got yourself a, a sleeper hit. Now, it's not even sleeper hit. Just a hit. Because it'll sell. Like, look at, we're on, like, what planet is this? Passan? Panini? Passan or whatever. Yeah, like... <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I won't lie to you. I am, I'm pretty sick and tired of desert planets in this goddamn galaxy. <laughs> and the fact that there's so many of them, and I don't know. Also, these guys kind of look like squids now that I'm yeah, looking at it. And I just don't get... Scooby-Doo dance. Yeah. Why is Lando there? Because he has a kid with Lando. He said he went. <laughs> he went there with Luke, and then what? Just never left a desert planet for some. Like what? Luke. Luke. Alps, right? Go. He must have had a kid there with one of the aliens. Yeah, sure. Like he just shows up. They're like, "Look, he did the thing that he did in Episode Six. Do you like that? I'm sorry about Episode Eight. Do you like what we did?" <laughs> Please. He has no reason to be there. He's like, Leia sent me a message. Like, what? Why did? Why are you not looking for the ship then? Why did they send Ray if you're already there? It doesn't make any sense. We were looking for the ship. They find it. It's literally just in the open on top of a rock. It's the easiest thing to see ever because you're on a desert planet. Like, we couldn't find it. Like, what the f- are you talking about? Especially if you're up above. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if you're flying in the Millennium Falcon, you can see that thing from miles away. Like, even there's a four hour cut of this movie somewhere in Disney archives. But even then, like what what more could that add at this point? I don't know. This movie is just so like messy. Why? Okay. So C-3PO not being able to, to translate the Sith thing mm-hmm. is maybe the worst plot device I've ever heard ever, period, full stop. He and he says it a couple times. Oh, I have it in my memory. If only I could tell. That is garbage. Are you kidding me? Why even have him be able to read it at all? Just so you could go to to Canto Bite 2.0 to like crack his brain? Like it's just you like you could cut out half an hour of the movie just by not having that stupid shit be a plot point. Yeah, this this movie has so much time spent on the action at this point that it literally does need to make shortcuts like that it does need the, the the movie has to be riddled with plot holes to reach any form of cohesive end like <laughs> i was gonna say you're telling me that in the like a hundred years since the death star was destroyed and the dagger was left there or whatever um the ruins were never moved by the waves ever to the point that you could laser cut into a dagger the location of something and it just didn't move in 100 years. That's exactly what we're telling you. You're trying to get me to believe that. There's waves that are like 100 feet tall. It's a whole point that they can't get to the ship, unless you have plot armor, of course. You can't get to the ship on a on a boat because the waves are too big. 
and they don't erode or move or do anything to the Death Star in the hundred years that makes it so that that dagger doesn't exactly point to where you need to go. Are you f serious? That's insane. <laughs> no. Like, um, another thing, going back to Sith thing, don't you guys remember that one scene in Phantom Menace where uh, young Annie says, okay, C-3PO, here's this data bank that makes sure that you do not translate any Sith whatsoever because Sith are bad. <laughs> like, what? There's so much wrong with that. Yeah, that's a big thing. <laughs> Translating's a... <laughs> I'll try translating. That's, that's a, cool a cool trick. trick. So stupid. Like, they say... How many people read that and were like, that's the way. <laughs> this is the way. That's the one. <laughs> we got it, boys. The we nailed like it. like, 50. Oh, sorry, go I was gonna say, um, one of the very few things I do like about this movie comes right off the bat when Kylo Ren is looking for the Wayfinder. Because, again, the title scroll is pretty... Uh, it was pretty... I wish it didn't set the tone at the beginning, but it really did when I first watched it, especially when it's like, the dead speak, and then it goes on to mention how Palpatine's back. And I'm like, really? And, like, this is what they're going with. But <laughs> when Kylo Ren is fighting all those guys, which we could have spent more time there, honestly, yeah. than anywhere else in the movie, when he's just slaughtering those people, and something I just noticed on this watch through, he does this really cool, like, backwards, like, yeah. electric slide. <laughs> and it's badass because he puts his lightsaber on the ground and it literally scorches the terrain and creates a trail of fire and i was like what the hell like that's so solid it's too bad that all of that is under 45 seconds basically and then we have to go into the rest of the movie and you were saying how you um like the uh force fight but not really a fight yeah um i in the last jedi i always kind of did not like that that water could be transported because i i do appreciate the value of it because it is new and that's great but man when they're fighting lightsabers and then you can transport lightsabers it just kind of begs the question it's like okay why did no other jedi in the friggin history the old republic's like five thousand or four thousand years before phantom menace all this shit takes place too how has nobody tried this at any point? And also, what, where do you draw the line on this? If someone's powerful enough, could they transport an entire goddamn ship through the force? Like, it just doesn't... Yeah. I, I, I did not bro, like, like that honestly, at all. Like, it was aesthetically pleasing. It looked sick. No, but, but they're a dyad, bro. They're no, magical. I know. And to me, I'm like, that's not good enough. I don't. I, it doesn't sell me on it. Visually, 100%. It's so cool. I'm telling you, these guys could have had a cool shipping like or logistics business. Because it'd be like instant shipping. They could just like transport anything. <laughs> Gal Galactic shipping. <laughs> Galactic. The hyperspace shipping. The best part about this whole thing is that in part eight, we established that it was Snoke doing or, it the whole time. Or, by extension, so Palpatine. Supreme Leader joke. Oh, got him. He turns the pen to write a stupid ending for a cool character. <laughs> sound like a pirate. <laughs> um, I was going to say, on top of that, just in case you were not fed up with planet-destroying weapons... How about we give oh a fleet God. of Star Destroyers with each of them having the power planet-destroying capabilities? Now, listen, I'm like, I have a bias towards this. I blame, like, the original trilogy fans, like, you know, the kind of guys who bully a young Jake Lloyd to a point of, like, modern schizophrenia and stuff like yeah, that. Like, like, these are the guys that this movie tries to cater to, and it's, like, immediately apparent because it ignores everything from the prequels. I, I guess that, that Starkiller Blast from The Force Awakens destroyed all the prequel planets or something because there's not a single sign of them to be seen. There's nobody from the prequels to be seen other than, like, some few voices. It's just that, like, in an attempt to please these guys, these kind of, like, I, I, don't, I, I know I'm generalizing, but, like, you know who you are. 
Um, <laughs> these guys, we've created something that's just nonsense fan service. And honestly, like, yeah, we've been over it a couple times throughout the course of this podcast. Chain of thought broken. I just saw, I just saw, no, I just remembered the line. We're, we're watching the chase scene and he's like, they fly now, they fly now, they fly now. And that was literally so f***ing stupid. It pulled me out of my own thought. <laughs> Why do they have snowmobiles that have a catapult on the back of them? That's not practical in any other scenario, except if you have a jetpack guy in the back. Yeah, but it sells toys. One, one thing I did like about them is that they kind of look like Dark Knight motorcycle, which I thought was kind of cool, but yeah it's just copying mad max that's all they're doing yeah you got a jellyfish launcher in your car dude <laughs> you got a jellyfish launcher in your car dude that's all i think about all this when luck I see anything that and launches. all this <laughs> it's all again. this coincidence and you know what the thing with the last jedi ryan you put it so beautifully at last um podcast you said that like nothing kind of happens nobody really learns from anything you know it's just like everything just comes to like it kind of sweeps even itself under the rug at the end of it just to make sure it's safe for whatever movie comes next this movie doubles down on that this movie has all the character development gone you see like uh finn particularly finn is one of those crimes against oh. characters he goes from this guy's like i'm a stormtrooper this is wrong i'm forced to, i can feel like everything's wrong to uh and he starts there he goes we need to run then he's like you know what no everything's wrong i need to die for this cause because it's the only way to exist to right and that's like that's so that's so unfair to someone who's like one essential figure to this movie central figure to this trilogy he just becomes like this complex potential character to some guy who can't scream anything other than like the names of the people he hangs out with man <laughs> as a character as a black male actor coming into the star wars universe in a leading role John Boyega is one of the biggest reasons that this sequel or trilogy, regardless of the hate that he received for honestly no f***ing reason, no reason. Um, he was one of the biggest selling points in what made this trilogy so big. It was a big deal because the character is not only a good character, but it, it it's a cultural icon for a lot of people too, to a whole population who honestly... Like, in a lot of ways, they were afraid to like shit like this because mm -hmm. of how toxic other people are. And then to give him literally, like, 10 minutes of screen time in this two-and-a-half-hour damn movie and make him so useless and then also drop the force sensitivity bomb throughout the movie but don't actually do anything with it. it you're right. Oh, it is a complete war crime against this character. character. And yeah. it's so f because I was talking about it in The Force Awakens. I was like, this character is going to be... Like, in my mind, he was one of the most compelling characters because he's a former stormtrooper. There is potential that he has the Force. Back in Force Awakens, we don't yeah. know that. He wields Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. He becomes a rebel hero. And then, in the next one, Resistance. like you were saying... Sorry, the Resistance. <laughs> not the Rebellion. Stupid the Resistance, ass. my mistake. They did make sure to get Palpatine to say Rebellion in this movie, though, just so he could roll the R. But, rebellion. man, it's just, come on. Like, with Poe, they make him a little bit more comedic and a little bit better than him in The Last Jedi. But Finn just completely gets shat on and thrown yeah. in the background in this movie. And that sucks. It sucks so much. Oh this movie my tries to God. pass off force sensitivity as like in the in the movie he literally goes uh i didn't shoot all these innocent unarmed people because i had a feeling that means i have the force what what it, it becomes a plot point his for it like what i mean like oh yeah okay it is a plot point but it becomes like a what's the word a plot shortcut almost 
Hey, which one of these ships is broadcasting this signal to everyone? That one. I have, I have a, a feeling. feeling. That was one of my oaks. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of it, when they're talking about how many people have the Force, um, it kind of, to me a little bit, kind of destroys how special the Force is. Because I'm like, oh shit, so everybody has it. It's just not everyone gets trained in it, which kind of is like nice in a lot of ways. But that was a big thing that The Last Jedi was pushing down is that like you know this is not the last jedi despite what the title suggests you know there's broom kid <laughs> who i'm kind of disappointed we're not getting a tv series of broom but kid. whatever broom kid didn't even make an appearance in this movie what a ripoff yeah broom kid yeah. A star wars story <laughs> yeah like i don't know why we didn't get a broom kid series but um don't, don't mark it off yeah they just announced like 85 new series so. yeah oh I, there's a great modified picture of that where it's like the broom kid series jar jar binks uh <laughs> wado series and then gonk as well gonk. and even uh daxter lando's sitting there and janna walks up to her walks over to talk to him because he's black and so is she <laughs> and she sits she sits down and goes where are you from and he says the gold system where are you from and she goes i don't know let's find out in a new spinoff brought to you by disney plus <laughs> going back to that line i'm like is he is he like actually offering to be a father figure or is he like flirting with this like yeah. like I, I couldn't tell I can't hear your intentions <laughs> but no yeah and janna is like similar to uh Finn in the sense that there, it kind of showcases that Finn wasn't the only one who had that feeling and like that's a that's another crime against the character because like if you're going to introduce a character like that first of all why are you introducing it halfway through a two and a half hour movie yeah yeah we uh looked you, at you it you made that point yeah. last time it comes in like, like about 50 time. minutes into and then the movie. F- first of like again finale of a true the final movie in the trilogy set um secondly like on that like final assault on that star destroyer why the hell did she go with Finn? Just like suddenly, it's just like, yeah, I only met you like an hour ago. Now I'm going to trust my life with you. It's just like, what about what about Rose? What about this character that you're kind of blaming the entire failure oh of Rise? God. Like, why isn't she with them? She should have been. As much as everyone did not like her character in the last show, she should have been with the main group as they go about their yes. adventures. Oh my she should have. God, like, yes. Because like doing, because yeah, okay, you the last Jedi. That's whatever you only get six hours of screen time for a set like this and you, you threw two of it into the trash that's fine that doesn't mean you have to ignore it and throw two more into the trash you gotta it's so spineless to be able to be like none of this happened or none of or it did happen but we're just going to only mention the battle of crate once to another character that was a crime committed uh zori bliss we'll get to that probably later but um uh rose was actually supposed to spend a lot more time with um carrie fisher in this movie but she passed away right so yeah, they they kind of they kind of shoved her aside because everybody complained about her in Last Jedi. But she was supposed to actually have screen time that she didn't end up getting to redeem anything because Carrie Fisher wasn't around. And and that that sucks. But I still think they could have definitely found. It's not like Rose was connected to Carrie Fisher yeah. in Last Jedi. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. They could have easily found yeah. a way around that. But no, what was more important is that we needed Palpatine somehow to return. And that that's it. We just needed it's him to return. That's it. Sequ- like original series fan, original trilogies fans. Janna uses a bow though, bro. She's sick. She's sick. See, no, that is sick. It's like whatever thing she has, that's great. That's cool. That's awesome. Why? Why now? Why? Why didn't you introduce like make meaningful characters in the previous four hours of screen time you had? Because every other meaningful character ate the shit. You got you got DJ who you never see again. You got phasma who falls you got <laughs> you got snoke like we were the, the knights of ren that's like six people <laughs> like wh- yeah. why are why 
why is it that every second this movie gets to pique our interest, it kind of shits on it just to remind us that this is this movie. <laughs> Accurate. That this is like this inconsequential movie where every bad thing that happens almost undoes itself later on, maybe 20 oh, minutes down the road. Uh, you bring that up right now because we're just seeing we're, the Chewbacca yeah, like thing. Death. The big, big thing I hate about this movie as well. In The Last Jedi, I, I complained a lot and... It's not complaining. It's straight up bitching. I bitched a lot about how we dive into the mysticism of the force, but like a pinky toe and that's it. And, but the whole way this was advertised, the whole way the last Jedi was like portrayed to be was that it was going to dive into the force more. I felt like in the trailers, mm -hmm. which was what my expectations were, which is not what we got. But this movie, what it does is that it, oh, it goes so hard into killing these beloved characters even in the trailer like you have c-3po say taking one last look sir at my friends and then it's heart-wrenching it's heartbreaking you're like damn as if they're gonna kill the droids chewbacca comes up in the ship ray accidentally kills him and then guess what couple literally like three minutes later chewbacca's alive again it's less than five minutes later yeah. loses his memory gets connected oh guess what r2d2 still has somewhat of an updated drive and just plugs into him again uh, it's like what's the point there's literally a line in this movie where c3po says r2's storage units are famously unreliable uh what are you talking about when has that ever been yeah, mentioned but like it's the joke it's it's the joke for this movie specifically that now his entire brain runs off memory saved by r2d2 Ray, going back to the death thing, Ray dies in this movie. But then she comes back to life, and then Kylo Ren dies. And he doesn't come back to life. I'm like, why? Why Kylo Ren? I totally forgot that that happened. I totally forgot that he died in this movie. Yeah, because he, that's that's fine, though. That's character arc. He starts off bad, and he pays for it. You could have done more with him, though, because I think a more intriguing arc would have been... You could have set up a whole Kylo Ren television show where he goes around the galaxy trying to redeem himself because he's a piece of shit, or he was a piece of shit, but he's not anymore. Yeah, but you're not going to get Adam Driver for that. No, well, no, because no, why the f*** would he do this at this point? I, I, I was just going to say, there, akin, uh, when we were watching it, that last hug at the end between the three main characters... It's oh. like that's so emotional, that's heart wrenching, and like the only reason why it's heart wrenching is because they're all finally freed from this contract. This <laughs> like they're all like crying out of happiness, like we don't ever have to do one of these ever again. <laughs> like would they would you come back to Star Wars? No, f no, not after this. Such a quick ending too. They're like, we did it, hug. All right, we're on Tatooine now. I was like, what? Another desert planet? Come on. That I I want to think of the the what that old lady sees so like she's like who are you and she was i'm ray and she was ray who and then ray looks into the distance for like 20 minutes and the old lady like i would be gone i'd be like oh this person uh is not all there so i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna walk into the desert where did i come from where am i going who like i'm ray skywalker and then everybody goes oh another weird thing i found is the force healing in this which was like one of the cool new superpowers. <laughs> like, like she heals a snake and not Poe when he gets shot. But here's the other thing <laughs> on top of that. You know, they briefly name drop. Because here's the thing. Uh, we got a chance to read the leaked script of Duel of the Fates, which was what this movie was originally yeah, going to be written Trevoros, by. Yeah, yeah, Colin Trevorrow. So that was one of the new power-ups is like force drain, essentially, where you drain the life out of something to heal yourself or better yourself. In this, they touch on it, but Ray dead ass heals twice with no consequence. 
She heals the snake, and then she heals Kylo Ren when she straight up stabs him. So I guess Kylo Ren technically dies too, but doesn't, then actually dies. And then she just doesn't, she doesn't heal him. <laughs> what I don't get is, what what is the rule for this? Because she healed twice with no consequence, then Kylo Ren heals once, and then he dies right after and he dies like ben kenobi too where he just disappears the body's gone the clothing remains and i'm like what like, kiss too. yeah oh, my, the best kiss. part about that is that leia fades when he fit like did her did she have unfinished business like what the hell was that i don't uh, her body was like i can't fade away until ben fades away but it's like she's dead but it's like i don't know that's just like what's the rules like, well, how come Qui-Gon gets lit on fire in the first one and Darth Vader gets lit on fire? But when you slash Ben, he fades away. I don't really understand. <laughs> like, what are the what are the rules? There's this one meme where it's like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's Force Ghost watching uh, Rey heal everyone. You just see Qui-Gon's like staring at Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's just... Oh. Another crime against... Okay, Zori Bliss. Again, like you have all this like... You have a literal character. You mean Zam Wessel? Yeah, Zam Wessel too. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about Zam Wessel. Same. She's the exact same, except she turns out to be a good girl. Yeah, there's a one line. Like, every new character they meet, they're just like, I don't like you, but we're friends now. And that's literally what she says. Like, Carrie Fisher, that was insulting to see her like this. Like, literally young Will Smith and Gemini Man's finale. <laughs> that's know. what she looked like. <laughs> Yeah, it is uh it's it is pretty rough. messed up. They definitely had what they needed, they but they didn't oh. have any high expectations as to what they needed. Like, and to me it it was a little bit weird. Obviously she passed away, but like why why was this character saved for this last movie too? Like I just She she passed away before uh The Last Jedi. Yeah, but they were already they'd already shot some of Rise of Skywalker, right? So Yeah. Yeah. No, like I get that, but it's just um it's like three I don't know. It's uh I don't like it doesn't sit well with me and part of me almost wishes that in Last Jedi I would have hated it but when she gets sucked out into the vacuum of space I feel like that would have been a better ending to her character than the way things progressed in this. It was, it's don't worry buddy I killed her off for you it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah I got I got some uh, I won't get too much into it but I'm taking a very Avengers Endgame approach to Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> what are you talking about? Rise of Skywalker had an Avengers Endgame approach. She literally says I am Iron Man in this movie at the end. <laughs> I actually had to do a double you take. Try like, shawarma? Oh my like, god. All all it's the exact same. Right before everybody's about to lose, all of the friends show up, which who is that? Like the whole universe is like, "Oh right, they're bad guys. I guess I'll go fight them." Like where where were you? Where, where were, were you? Were on you? Yeah. yeah where, it was Wait, crazy. Yeah. Was way easier to get to and they could have ended everything there and then exegol is not on any star charts but the whole universe can find where it is because lando shows up like come on and then yeah, he's they had lando Ryan. okay well... and rage <laughs> charted the course don't forget that it doesn't matter she if it goes she through live streamed imploded right. star That's cluster right. that has fucked up gravity she took the ancient uh pyramid shaped wayfinder. Uh, wayfinder and plugged it into her car like a fucking <laughs> iphone <laughs> And then at the end, Palpatine is like, Thanos is about to win or whatever. And she's, he's, I'm all of the whatever. And then she says, I am all the, it's like, oh my God, it's the same movie. And then he electrocutes himself to death. Why don't you just stop doing that? <laughs> yeah, that's actually like, you don't, you when, don't it start, it, when it shoots it you in cool. the forehead, just stop. It just stop. He literally does it twice. Like he does it to, to Mace Windu in episode three. And then he just gets old looking. But in this one, I guess because she's using two lightsabers, he just disintegrates. Also, 
I'm gonna quickly just go ahead and say this. A wheelchair would be way more effective for Palpatine than that mechanical <laughs> arm looks like Rados. scary. Bruh, he's just he's not floating around and I'm like, bruh, come he on. He looks like an animatronic what? from a Disney ride. What are the limits of this goddamn <laughs> arm? Like, just take a wheelchair and go wherever the f*** you want. Did you say he looks like GLaDOS? I'll Did you say that? Yeah. Yeah, he does look like Gladys. He literally, it's like, I think of the old lady on the chair in Gremlins. When it malfunctions, it just shoots her out the window. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> new emperor is ribbon. It's like, what? You got thrown down an elevator shaft and all that happened is you lost the ring finger on your left hand? Like, <laughs> what? No, like, it. he didn't lose it. It, like, kind of withered. Yeah, it's... <laughs> oh my god and he flat out explains that he died before or it's something so, so like, stupid even like even taking that a step meta further ian mcdermott he's just like i really did not expect them to call me yeah <laughs> he's just like i i really had no expectation to be in any star wars movie ever again because george lucas said palpatine is dead that's it <laughs> but then Dis disney disney smelled a couple zeros and we're like hmm what can we do now? The one thing, though, the finale did present to me my two favorite parts of this movie. The first one being the uh, utter deep bass sound of Palpatine. Like, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty deep. It's, it's like... like <laughs> my, when he shoots like <laughs> It's like... It's so deep fried and it's almost cursed sounding and I love yeah. it. It's like, that's good good for you. They should have played you know? the Inception. Like, <laughs> just turn it. Yeah. It just like, <laughs> like or, or Tenet music. How come when Ray does the force lightning, it blows up the ship that Chewbacca is slash isn't on. But when Palpatine uses lightning after absorbing uh, the God tier powers from their magic duo, uh, he just turns them off. Maybe he likes to feel their fear as they fall. But I feel like that's not the explanation that even the filmmakers had in mind. What, is he Pennywise? What do you mean? <laughs> like, like, he's just... I feed off your fear. <laughs> he electrocutes the entire universe, but all it takes is a second lightsaber, and then he just blows himself. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's like, <laughs> this one's my weakness. That's it. She yeah. literally just like, like, why? Why? Like, nobody pays attention to lightsabers in this movie. Like, Snoke doesn't notice it. He doesn't notice it. Also, upside down Snoke in a test tube is the funniest shit I've ever seen. It's just like, oh, the main antagonist for two movies? Well, he's just an embryo now. It's fine. But going back to the second, my second favorite part, like kind of matches up with the striking visuals and stuff. When Ray kind of like ascends past the fighting and all the ships falling, that was pretty good. That was pretty cool. When she's like almost in that meditative state where all she can see are the stars above and stuff. I, I really like that. But unfortunately, I had to watch two hours and 30 minutes of content to get hey. to that point. Also, also a captain's medallion. What, what the f*** is this? I've never seen a captain's medallion ever. And then it's like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter what kind of a fugitive you are. If you give this, you can go on any Imperial ship without getting arrested. Like, who? why would they make that? Because it's a plot device, but Like, bro. come on, man. Like, but that's... That like how deluded must have they have been God. to think that this movie required so many action sequences? Like it's okay to not have every minute of a two and a half hour movie be constant loud sounds blasting explode. It's fine. It's okay. We're not gonna get bored. I'd much rather be bored watching a movie than feeling like I'm about to lose my I mean, mind. You didn't you didn't like when they launched the Rohirrim charge across a star destroyer? Oh my God. <laughs> Like, there's no machines in that. What are we going to do? And then they just run out on horses. It's like, how? Wait, uh, you're on. Like, what?
I wish they just run out on tauntauns. That would have been hilarious. You may as well have at that point. <laughs> no, this well, they were well. they were doing fan service, so why the hell not commit all the way to it? That, yeah, I think I mentioned earlier, Rose should have been yes. with Finn yeah, at I that agree. sequence, not oh. not Janna, not Janna. It should have been Rose and Finn, yeah, because Rose just like oh, I'm it's literally for spinoffs. That's all it's for. <laughs> That's all Disney f-ing cares about is money. So the way they also do huck so dirty and the fact that oh, this yeah. guy is willing to throw out this whole regime because he doesn't want kylo to succeed let's talk about this character because this character was literally like nobody wanted to deal with him i said this in the last episode but literally in force awakens hux is hitler yes straight he literally has the speech and then blows up eight planets in last jedi he is an abbott and costello routine where he and Poe can't hear each other because, oh, the reception isn't great or whatever. Poe is fooling around to try to pull his leg, but that guy blew up nine planets. And then in this movie, he doesn't even get killed by his foil the whole time. So the entire series, he's against Kylo. Kylo was against him in the first one. Kylo was really against him in the second one. In this movie, he literally says, as long as Kylo loses, it's fine. I'll just be a turncoat it doesn't matter and then he gets shot by this character that i did not know who he was only knew his name because the subtitles were on yep yep just some guy and uh essentially apparently the thing that they're nodding at is that he used to work for palpatine in the old empire but it's like come on man this there was no point in introducing this brand new villain because you don't care when he dies his ship explodes he gets lit on fire but you don't give a shit because you don't know who he is and you don't Mm -hmm. care if they did that with hux man the guy shoots hux and that's his death that's it literally gets shot in the chest and he's not even the center of the shot he's just in the background and then he just pops and that's it are you kidding me this is one of like the three there's four bad guys in this up to this point in this trilogy which was snoke kylo ren phasma and hux those are the four. And then you just shot him like that. And then this what? new one of the new seven characters you introduced in this movie and Palpatine, who uh, who really had no place here. But I mean, I feel like we beat that dead horse to the point where it's yeah. just sort of like... Still, that that horse needs to be beaten. Sorry. Uh, Palpatine also, uh, as soon as his name is there, every other villain is undermined. Yeah. Because yeah. he is the top bad guy. So Snoke is irrelevant. As soon as the dead speak, Palpatine, it doesn't matter. Nobody else matters. It's only Palpatine. The same thing happened in uh, Rogue One. Rogue One had plenty of problems, but the one of the biggest problems is that... How, what the hell was the, the antagonist's name in that movie? Tarkin? Krennic. No, oh, Krennic. Krennic, yeah. Krennic is a... As soon as Grand Moff Tarkin is on screen, Krennic is nobody. Who cares about Krennic when you have CG Peter Cushing as the antagonist? That guy is the bad guy for about an hour and a half, and then you're like, oh, Grandma Tarkin's a bad guy. Okay, great. So why even put Tarkin in the movie? Why put Palpatine in the movie? Why? It's just that you're undermining what you've done. It's just, I don't know. It makes your villain not threatening, especially when they pull up in a big mechanical arm. The way that Palpatine moves his arms and legs, it's almost like you're riding pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland. Eight-legged Darth Maul or GLaDOS Palpatine? Which one's worse to you? They're both shit. They're both. But which one's more shit to you? I didn't watch Rebels. So I don't. It's Clone Wars. See, I don't care. I don't <laughs> give a shit about like fake literally. Fans, I hear Dar- I hear eight legged Darth Maul, and all I think of is eight legged freaks. No, I think of uh, Mr. Waternoose from Monsters Inc. <laughs> <laughs> Darth Darth Maul grabbing 
uh, Ben Kenobi and going, I'll kidnap a thousand Jedi before I let this company die. Uh, let's replay that for a second, shall we? I'll kidnap a thousand Jedi before I let this company die. Death CEO. And just like, <laughs> see Anakin? There you have it, folks. Star Wars has this thing where they think their villains are cooler than they are just because of how they look. Darth Maul is cool because of the Duel of the Fates fight is the best in the series, full stop. But Boba Fett and General Grievous and Jango Fett and the Knights of Ren and Phasma do f*** all and die. That's all they do the whole time. Now that I think about it, I'm seeing a lot more parallels between uh, wasted villains in the prequel trilogy and in the sequel trilogy because you had Darth Maul who was who was really wasted. I yeah. think. No, like his like it's uh, Darth Maul only like only what sort of hit his full potential in like the side series where he becomes like this kind yeah. of. Like, He's not even like he's not evil. He just does whatever he wants, kind of. Yeah. Which after would, a while. I'll kidnap a thousand spinoffs before I let this IP die. <laughs> but also, yeah. like Count he Dooku so is there all of a sudden in the second one, and then he's barely there, and then he's dead in the third one, and yeah. then you have General Grievous who is also dead in the third one, and he's just like, what? Why? And Obi Wan just shoots him in the chest. Heartburn, baby. Remember when he kicks him? He kicks this metal <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. I fucking love Revenge like, of the Sith like 100. No, I do too. Like I love the Clone Wars series. I love Revenge of the Sith. I love them both because they kind of throw at each other. Where like there's a clone who punches a droid and he like kind of holds his hand and gets shot. Like, <laughs> it's just like it's stuff like that where it's almost like it's self-aware at some time <laughs> as to how far its extent can go. Whereas like the the sequel trilogies, it tries to be serious the entire time. It tries to be this like. No, 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 no let, me, let me say wrote some great I'm saying dialogue. it's trying to be serious uh, in the wrong spots. Yeah, you can have Ryan Johnson. <laughs> you can have Ryan Johnson Ryan trying to mimic. Now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> as soon as you say Ryan Johnson writes great dialogue, people within 100 meters ooh, throw up. Ooh, like, <laughs> Either way, it should have been one person doing all three. It should have I, I, like Whether it was Ryan Johnson, whatever, it's fine. At least it would have been cohesive. Mm -hmm. It's either that. Or or three different people for each one. No no influence from the other one. I think that would have also been fine. If J.J. Abrams was not on this, I think it would have still been salvageable. It would have been better. Because you have, you have one Star Wars with three different visions. It's whatever. You can always just say, oh, different directors. Doesn't matter. But when you have two of them directed by one and then Ryan Johnson directing the center... Uh, the central one, it or the middle one, it's just like, ah, oh, no, 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 because you, then you have, then it's obvious that you have two very colliding visions, and that that ruined the trilogy. It certainly doesn't help that this Ryan Johnson said in the second one that he didn't really have a lot of um, producer involvement; they kind of just let him have a bunch of freedom. And then in part nine, it's pretty obvious that <laughs> it's only producer involvement. JJ's just there for lens flares <laughs> and quick turns. Lens flares, quick turns, and nauseating angles. That's it. <laughs> Do you have something to add to Alp? Your your injustices against characters. Yeah, crimes against characters. At the end of this movie, when pa Finn and not Rose blow up the control ship, um, and then Poe says, "I'm going to save them." Uh, why does Lando save them? Because this ship them. is faster. <laughs> but like, there's two things wrong with that. From a character's standpoint, Lando is irrelevant to any of them, right? He kind of just shows they up. They just know his name, yeah. Finn saves Poe in the first movie. He releases him, and they get on a ship, and they leap together. Why would you not have Poe then save Finn 
to bookmark the trilogy and save him, and then they get on a ship and leave together. It and just, they kiss and leave together, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's that just sounds like screenwriting 101. It, the movie is some of the dialogue is for kids, so why not make the movie? Hey, hey Ryan, I'm getting a call from Disney. They're telling you to shut the f- okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell them that their six six billion dollar check is in the middle. There's a bunch of shareholders here, and one of them's holding a gun against my not holding a gun against my head because that wouldn't match with Disney's family values. But um. Please, please also, do not call 911. Also, they don't really care about what you think about screenwriting because they had Ryan Johnson writing <laughs> hilarious dialogue. That's right. Oh, hold on. I'm, I'm actually getting an email. F- I'm actually getting an email from Disney right now. It's, they says that Star Wars was really expensive, so I have to pay an extra $40 to watch it. <laughs> you want to watch Rise of Skywalker? You've got to be a premium member. <laughs> oh, look, there's Janna. So that means we're about halfway into the movie. Yep. <laughs> Her first introduction is... An hour and seven minutes. Where does she come from? She just walks up. She's like, yeah, I'm here. They crash land We're on friends the planet. Now. Her moon off the moon of Endor. The only reason why this was not on Endor was because they were pretty much already at Endor earlier on. That's right. That's right. No, no, that was Yavin, bro. Now they're on Endor. Oh Aging Claus is Yavin and Endor's baby. Yeah, that's what and is. this planet, this planet just looks like Akto. You're either all desert or you're all right. ice. Only desert, on, only salt. Remember all the visions that Force Awakens kind of throws in Rey's hands and then like only one of them gets fulfilled in this movie? Well, in this entire trilogy. <laughs> Remember when instead of Rey having a, a an internal battle between her and sick double-bladed lightsaber Rey, we get Kylo Ren showing up somehow, even though he doesn't know where to go. He uses the Force. That's not how the Force works. <laughs> And then she leaves in his ship, and then he gets away. He finds a really old TIE fighter somehow unsalvaged in these ruins and comes to but exit. But how, how, but I, you, I, you, do you, I, do you, I, you. No, That's I'm on your not side. I'm just saying this is what the, the movie's ideas works. are. Does he show up in a TIE fighter? Did I miss that? Yeah, it he is does. in a TIE fighter, and I think it's actually one of the old TIE fighters too. So it's from the wreckage of the Death Star here. But it's like, like... Jana is talking about how they've salvaged so much. I'm like, how are you? You're telling me that there is a crisp, pristine TIE fighter that's been just sitting there in, you know, tsunami level waters for the last 40 years. Why wouldn't there be? Also, thing that they look at in the Death Star is like 90% of it is underwater. She walks around in the Death Star for five minutes and she's like, oh, I found it. She uses the force, man. She climbs around like how she did in Force Awakens. Scavenger. Bro. Oh, I, I get that the, the parallels and everything, but it's like, why did you even need a map? Like you, it's like walking into one room and being like, where's the thing? Also, wait, wait, hold on. So the vault was in the throne room anyways. Yeah. <laughs> we need a map to get there. No one's ever going to know. Oh my God. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's fine. I don't know, man. It's fine. Everything it's so is hard. fine. It's all fine. On Tatooine, she goes to Owen and Baru's place and no one's ever gone there in a hundred years. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's great. You're going to love it. So concluding remarks. Yeah. All right. Star Wars sucks. <laughs> no, honestly, like I come back movie, for it every time. <laughs> no, this movie shook my faith in the whole franchise. Every Star Wars film with the exception of five is okay or worse. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree with that sentiment. Um, for me, for someone like I have a personal bias like, for the prequels because I grew up with that. We grew up with that. I love the prequels. I know they're shit. I know there's a lot of problems with. It. I know it's they're just kind of like perfect. They're, they're not no, shit, no, they're they're but... they're. Uh, uh, 
you acknowledge the flaws in the movies like they're there they're there it's not perfect i know that they're uh c-tier movies at best but i love them that's fair and that's then fair. but going into this with that same mindset that same mindset where like um you're like star wars movies aren't supposed to be perfect they're not supposed to be like brilliant like even the original trilogy had its flaws there's there's none of them are amazing perfect superstar 100 percent movies going into that with this is too much of an expectation Going into that to Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, to Rise of Skywalker only showcases how much corporate meddling can destroy the things that you appreciate as a child. In that respect, I get original trilogy fans, why everything is not as good as them. Does it, do they, yeah, uh, oh my god, we've become the bitter original I know, trilogy fans. I get that. But, and then, but even then, but we're I'm, giving cool fans. I'm giving this movie, I gave these movies a chance. I watched each one of these at least like four or five times, trying to convince myself over and over. These are, these are okay movies and they have great spots. They have great set pieces. They have potential for great characters, but holy crap. I've never seen a ball drop so hard that like, almost like, it's almost like a, I don't know, a lad Bible video dropping a basketball off a dam. Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> wow. like that's, it's just like. We dropped a lawn oh. dart 200 stories onto a concrete block. <laughs> Flat out. Like, it's just... Oh. So, the only reason they lose that dagger in the first place is because they tell Chewbacca to go out and get Rey, but he takes the dagger out of the ship with him to go get her, which is pretty fun. Wait, yeah, that's right. What the... <laughs> f oh, uh, one thing I will say is that um, they did finally put all of the actors into the same movie. So, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill... Billy D. Williams, Carrie Fisher are all in the same Ian movie. Ian McDermott. Yeah. And nobody, <laughs> none of those characters share a scene with another one of those characters. Not a single one. Hey, hey, hey hold on. There's Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill at the end. Uh, you gotta give that. And her, CGI, yeah. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill in Young Training Session. Yeah. It's still half <laughs> points. It's still half points. I gotta love I, that I, enthusiasm. I know, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm busting your balls. Like, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, like you put you bring why is harrison ford not with them at the i guess he's not force sensitive but you know what not shooting a random civilian is uh what makes you force sensitive i guess so riding horses on a spaceship is really dumb uh palpatine's throne looks like the iron throne which is really funny because that also ended like garbage i also like that he palpatine builds like a coliseum and then there's just a bunch of i guess they're supposed to be sith like the species yeah they're just they're Everybody's mm -hmm. everybody's fired up. Like <laughs> everybody's on party, ecstasy. Baby. <laughs> they're all fired up like it's Matrix Three, and they're just like <laughs> yeah. just sweaty, and their arms are going, and then mm, like mm, for mm, no mm, reason, he's just like, "Oh, I'm an old man, and you're gonna kill me," and all these thousands of people are just gonna watch for no reason. For me, honestly, it has a couple cool moments, like Kylo Ren slaughtering a bunch of guards at the beginning, uh, Kylo and Rey fighting. Uh, I think that's about it. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Honestly, I think that is about it, which is kind of sad. Just, just and the hug. The yeah, hug at the, the hug, end. Yeah. The, the hug actually makes me tear up. That's the one thing about this movie that I do love. There, when there's real people. When the three of them that. hug and then like the way they embrace each other, that actually gets me really sad and really emotional. I get emotional with that. There is nothing else in this movie that I find redeemable, really. It's, uh, it, it is just, at the end of the day, it, it feels like a corporate mess. And it, it really shouldn't have been that way, but... It is what it is, I guess. So, final review. What do you give this movie? Uh, so if a bunch of cranberries on the floor of Kylo Ren's quarters is bad, 
Uh, and <laughs> C-3PO not being able to read Sith as a plot device is good. I give this movie a, a catapult skidoo. That is, wow. So that abstract. Harsh. Yeah, that, that is an abstract piece really of work hard. right there. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. This movie is a little bit draining to watch, especially with the lightning. So I'm going to give this movie nine unwarranted and frankly, undeserved epileptic episodes <laughs> out of 18. <laughs> nine out of 18. Yeah, so 50%. Wow. I give this movie 17 introduced characters in the span of 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they did. Uh, So in the layman's terms, if you don't watch Star Wars, skip it. Just just skip. Just skip the last three movies. Yeah. Just watch it's, three, it's five, okay. and seven and you're good. Wait till there's a good TV show to fill up all the gaps, then we can appreciate it a bit more. Yeah, no. <laughs> don't like... even watch that. Don't buy anything. <laughs> don't buy anything that Disney makes. Just boycott the f out of them because they're corporate monsters. The only uh show that I would watch or pay for is Jar Jar, so and we're not getting that kind of god tier material, so I'm uh, I'm gonna head on out. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, That's da, that, da. eh? <laughs> Finally, it is time for the rewrite of The Rise of Skywalker. I'm going to preface this thing with a couple notes here. So, the ship that you mentioned, Ryan, I decided to give it a little bit more pizzazz and personality. (laughs) So, I call it the Crescent Moon, and it's made out of a cortosis alloy that has shock absorption properties and can actually disperse that energy in the form of like a mega blast that converges all three beams from its three weapons kind of sounds like a b-wing and it's kind of like a aesthetically like a miniaturized version of the death star from a new hope um it's in addition to being shaped like a crescent moon it has an empty shaft in the center through which the manually manned turret can move up and down to shoot from above the ship or from below it looks pretty pretty neat the second uh important note is that unlike the trilogy we got uh the first order still has star killer base at this point but they don't want to stop there so they're creating a new weapon called the dark star the dark star written and directed by john carpenter and dan o'bannon which revolves around a combination of two holocrons which i'll get into later on when you put these things together it creates like a nuclear energy blast basically and they're gonna do this snoke wants to do this at the core of like a dwarf planet that's gonna cause an implosion and create a black hole at which they're going to control it with this halo spaceship that kind of floats around the dark hole and maneuvers it. How they use the dark side of the force. That's the <laughs> that's the force tape we're using right. on this one. I think that's acceptable. And the final note that I have to preface this with is that I'm taking a very Avengers endgame uh. approach to it. And that it's going to be a celebration of the entire Skywalker saga. Yeah. Exactly. So it includes the original trilogy and it also does not avoid the prequels because that is a very important part of Star Wars culture and anyone that does avoid it is, they're nerf herders. Scruffy looking nerf herders. So it's going to kind of celebrate everything that we've come to love about the Skywalkers and Star Wars from both trilogies, not just one of them. All right, so we get into the title crawl that basically just describes what you guys were talking about, but then... We get a third paragraph where it says, The dead speak. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. How ridiculous would that have been? So it basically summarizes what happens in The Force Awakens in one paragraph. And then the second paragraph is what basically happens in The Last Jedi because there is no time jump. This is picking up right after Ryan's rewrite. 
So we have the opening, which is the crescent moon, and it's currently descending into Exegol, which is currently housing the powerful Ray, a less emo Finn, the ever so good looking Poe, and the motivational anchor, known as Rose. Uh, it begins its descent onto Exegol. When wham, a bunch of TIE fighters appear out of hyperspace. Over comms, Haldo says, they tracked us through hyperspace? Poe says, they tracked us through hyperspace. All right, so these TIE fighters start coming up. Chewie leaves Admiral Haldo's side at the bridge. And then he gets onto the Falcon with Benicio Del Toro. His name is not DJ, it's Benicio Del Toro. And they rush into the rescue. So, and they do, they do great. It's like bangs, booms, explosions everywhere. So the Falcon manages to destroy four of the TIE Fighters, but two of them follow the Crescent Moon onto Exegol. Haldo sends a distress signal and orders the rest of the Resistance fleet to travel to the Crate system, where they can regroup at a secret fueling base on the planet Crate. The Resistance fleet disappears into hyperspace, and although reluctant, the Falcon follows. Now we move on to the descent onto Exegol. The Crescent is going down, and it is, it is a rocky rocky flight because we're in thunderstormy clouds right now and lightning striking everywhere even even for pilots like ray and poe it's difficult there's lightning zaps back and forth the ship shakes and the tie fighters really closing on them one tie fighter gets hit by a girthy and thick lightning bolt that splits it into a million pieces That's a lot so the pieces. other tie fighter is just like uh <laughs> we're gonna die so he starts going all out and just starts firing away. So he starts going to ham and he's not letting up. And then what they do is similarly to the Force Awakens, the Crescent Moon goes upwards, above and behind the uh, TIE Fighter. And after absorbing all that energy, it unleashes that Death Star Blast I was talking about. And that thing flies <laughs> right through this TIE Fighter, right through the center. The TIE Fighter literally disintegrates like Mandalorian's gun. Huh? Yeah, you hear it. <laughs> and then they clear the clouds, and they are going down really fast, and Finn's like, right! And then Ray's like, I know! And then Rose is like, it's too fast! And then Poe's like, we know! And then they keep going down super fast, and they're a lot closer to the ground. You also see a scorch mark from the weapon they used earlier in the sky. Like, it's a powerful weapon. It, it went through the ship and still scorched up the ground, too. Anyways, the Crescent... Slides, rumbles, tumbles, you know, maybe no flips, but it, it takes a lot of hits. And for a brand new ship in the franchise, it, it takes a beating. All right. Um, they all take a deep breath, and then they all look jaw-dropped at the site before them, which is the Exegol Temple. And it's this massive, massive, like, I'm talking three Empire State Buildings large black pyramid that is very old and lightning even strikes it and it's slowly deteriorating poe as the main temple raider as established in your cut ryan states that this is the biggest temple <laughs> biggest temple he's ever seen is what he says <laughs> they fly now ray winces and so does finn and then finn's like this is a dark place you can't go in there alone and ray's like oh, i have to so then we get a diagonal swipe <laughs> Finn's hair, I have to confirm, uh, the one thing they did get right in Rise of Skywalker is Finn's hair, so it is on point, alright? We do a diagonal swipe to Snoke's Dreadnought, which is the big, big capital ship. Snoke is holding Kylo Ren captive and tortures him mentally and physically with a force. Kylo flails and seizes up under lightning. Had another one, and another one just throwing handfuls of the shit at Kylo. Snoke goes on to express how impressed he is with Ren, and even admires his strength. Come with me. 
they move towards like the main throne room that we saw in the last jedi and we see a bunch of first order troopers launching the bodies of the dead knights of ren into space like they're not they're not even bothering with them <laughs> um and we see phasma floating there and it's all it's not on and then Snoke goes on to be like, you know, you're strong, you're fierce, you know, the rule of two. And then Kylo... You're fierce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fierce. Uh, Kylo nods, and then he goes on to talk about what you already established, too. I think both of you guys may have about the rule of two in your movies, where it's, you know, there's a master and an apprentice, and although your numbers are limited as a Sith, your strength is way more than the Jedi, right? Because it comes from a darker place, and that automatically means better. Anyways, uh, Snoke smiles. He also brings up that they both come from greatness. Wait, you're, are you telling me Snoke is Kylo's actual father? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, Snoke goes on to tell him that we come from greatness and, you know, we could have whatever we wanted. And Kylo seizes up again, but there's visions that are unknown to us as the audience. We don't see it, but they're intoxicatingly tempting to Kylo Ren. I need a teacher. And then Snoke's like, all of it can be yours if you join me. And then Kylo's like, sure, but tell me who you are first. And then Snoke's like, why don't I show you? And then boom, he seizes up again. A force flashback, super cheesy. We got, you know, a young child who's clearly disfigured, brackets, this is Snoke, close bracket. Daddy Palpatine comes home and then just without saying anything, lightning, 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 just tortures the poor shit out of this child you know lives in a cell out in the rain out in the snow he like they're on hoth at one point in the flashbacks it's pretty tragic actually it's now that i think about it, it's actually pretty sad but um the main idea here is that you know the your tragic past does not really define you is that uh he will say something along the lines of that and then even in times of adversity you rise and you become something more and it's actually kind of inspirational. The problem is, is that it's coming from, like, Mecha Hitler. So it's it's just, it's if Hux is, like, Space Hitler, then Snoke is Mecha Hitler. Mecha Space Hitler. So it's pretty bad. Then we come back to Exegol on the surface. Rey steps out of the crescent and starts moving towards the temple. She has her staff and Anakin's lightsaber with her and assures her team she'll be fine. Thin questions whether Luke is a good guy or not, considering how, how long he's been here, or they think he's been here. And Poe understands that, although he wants to go into this temple, that it's very dangerous, and there's a lot of things that he doesn't understand because he's not a child in this movie. Not that he was in yours, but, like, you know, in the original Last Jedi, he, he's a bit of a kid throwing tantrums every, every oh, so often. Poe, Poe, po, sorry. Damn, yeah. So... <laughs> Ray, uh, Ray commands them to keep their guard up because she has no idea what's going to happen and then Rose is like how will we contact you the comms are down while she's doing this she's just stretching out his hammies Ray says Finn will know how <laughs> and then Finn nods brackets he can use the force close brackets because <laughs> he had a feeling yeah so while Ray leaves Poe decides to explore and nearby ship that we saw there earlier i didn't mention it but it's this crumbled ship it's the scimitar if you know what it is then you know what it is i'm not going to go into too much detail but it, it does have a history in the star wars universe so he decides to just go there while finn and rose share a tender moment finn although still emo and disturbed has grown a lot and is ready to embrace help something he was unable to do in the trilogy so far all right 
He starts experimenting more with the Force, which is something he had to shut down for so long as a member of the Knights of Ren, like Alba established, because Kylo was kind of the golden child, so he was the only one that was allowed to do these things. Rose assures him, because she's the motivational anchor here, that he's incredible, he's brave, and there's nobody else in the galaxy she trusts more. <laughs> Rose says, I need you with me, Finn, because that's how we're going to win this war. Not by destroying what we hate, but by fighting for what we love. And then Finn looks at her, and then Rose says, but I know your heart belongs to someone else. And then they both look out the <laughs> ship towards Poe. <laughs> they both look at Poe as he just starts like, kind of derpily looking around this ship and then finn's like i'm sorry and then she's like don't be you can't change who you are and then like gently caresses his face anyways um post stops outside the wreck ship and uh it's really barely being held together it's it's long past its glory days and finn and rose join him because he calls them over they go inside and they see that it's been here for a long time there's no fuel no power Nothing. The place is a mess. There's papers and data disks all over the place. Uh, floppy disks. And then uh, Rose says, Who did this ship belong to? And then Finn's like, No idea. And then Poe's like, Can't you just like use the force and see it? Finn snickers and smirks, gazing into space. And he's like, That's not exactly how the force works. Not yet, at least. Uh, and then Poe finds a very detailed notebook written by an E, Bridger. Again, if you know, you know. And it's loaded with information on various artifacts from various planets that the Empire, not the First Order, the Empire, back in the day, had stolen, alright? And then Rose, and there's also like charts to these systems and all this other sort of jazz. And Rose says, It looks like he was on a quest to find and return these items. He was trying to liberate these people. And then Poe says, That's noble of him. Finn smirks. And then Rose gets annoyed and she's like, I think it's very admirable. He was in the business of restoring cultures and yada yada, something along those lines. Um, and then Finn gets serious like, yep, you're right, you're right. The notes also state that Luke Skywalker and this Bridger had left abruptly after tragedy had struck Luke's Jedi Temple. Uh, this was also dated a very long time ago. And then Rose says, what, they left? But isn't Skywalker inside? Finn's like, Ray could be in danger, then we're inside the temple. Uh, Ray comes into this central chamber where a hooded figure stands. Its back is turned, and then he turns around and reveals that it's Luke Skywalker, but it's kind of weird because he looks exactly like he did in Return of the Jedi. Exact same face, the hair, the suit, everything. And it's just, it's kind of meant to be off-putting, though. It's not like he's normal, like there's just something weird about it and dust blows through him, he leaves no footsteps. Luke formally introduces himself to Rey, but she's guarded. They talk about the temple and how it's like concentrated with the force. And Rey also expresses, she's like, I, I can't feel your presence and all that sort of jazz. And she's kind of concerned that a Jedi master has been in a Sith temple for so long. And then Luke hits us with the Jedi. The Jedi are no more. Like that that line, right? And proceeds to explain that the Force is all about balance and where there's light, there has to be dark and everything. It's perfectly balanced as it should be, right? <laughs> Everybody's so serious sounding in your remake. No idea. He explains that he came here because in order to fully understand the Force, he needs to learn about both the light and the dark. The line I have here is that... Um, one must understand a duality within that connects us and holds the balance in place. You know, it's 
deep poetic shit. It's good. Then it's poetry, then. They proceed through the two-person trials in the temple. Like, for example, they both have to use the force to lift an object. Not because it's heavy, but it's designed to have two people using the force on them. Again, force armor, plot plot armor, whatever. Um, and then, like, you know, all these sort of two-person things. And the hallways of the temple are pretty cool. They're, like, really long. The walls are made of, like, long glass. Or not glass, but reflective jet black hexagonal prisms <laughs> there's also red smoke on the ground but in these reflections or in these walls you see ray walking but you don't see luke's reflection and on top of that you also see sith masters that we have seen in the past like darth maul darth sidious asajj darth malik revan all these like people that we've come to know throughout the star wars lore they're all there but they're all slightly distorted and it's it's kind of spooky and we even see that that ghost of darth vader and anakin like in the middle of a transition where he's like scarred and screaming and slowly becoming mechanical and it's and it's it's honestly kind of like very spooky he's like all like messed up um and then ray's like what are we here for and then luke's like a holocron a force imbued device that can foretell the prophecy of the future or hold data and basically just goes on to say that the future of the force is very clouded and they need this to kind of clear things up a bit and he says that this is where we're going to find it we come back to snoke's dreadnought where snoke uh, gives his whole spiel on the dark side and how great it is and kylo ren uses the force to snatch his lightsaber out of one of the guards hands and he actually makes an attempt on snoke's life where he he's about to slash his neck or like his torso i guess kind of and then snoke just without even like putting any physical effort into it stops the saber and it just like it's like held in place basically and kylo can't do anything and hux notices this he he's there at this point too and he's like what and then snoke starts praising kylo for this he's like you know like you're um that 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 was pretty ballsy kid right <laughs> and then he starts showing him visions of luke and ray kylo starts getting a little bit jealous because he's like man like that should be me doing it. Like, why is why is he trusting some random girl from the desert, right? So he starts getting a little bit annoyed, and then thinking about the temptations from before, he decides, you know what? Maybe he will take Snoke up on his offer. So Snoke's like, you need to find your roots, and he sends him to a planet uh, with two Praetorian guards. And then Kylo's like, it's like, okay. <laughs> Snoke looks to Hux, and he's like, how are we looking, General? And then Hux is like, right on course, Supreme Leader. We will destroy the rebel rats, yada yada. And then Snoke's like, good, leave Skywalker to me. Goats. Like, he's just very menacing. <laughs> then Hux goes to his quarters. And this is from Duel of the Fates, which was the original script that Colin Trevorrow wrote for this installment. Hux has a lightsaber hilt or handle there. And he looks to it and he kind of ponders about how Kylo Ren, you know, used the force so easily and tried to kill Snoke and Snoke was very actually kind of overjoyed about it so he starts reaching out for the lightsaber and like his arm shakes and then we see him sweating and he's about to pop a blood vessel and the lightsaber just doesn't move <laughs> and then this is like a comedic relief for a little bit and some guard walks in and it's just like uh like we need you at the bridge and he's like yes I'll be there in a moment and like he just grabs his saber and puts it on his waist and heads out then we come back to Exegol. Ray starts growing more and more frightened because the figures like keep whispering and echoing all throughout this hallway. But Luke is super calm and it's really off-putting. 
because the situation is very spooky. And then he's like, what are they? And Luke's like, they're nothing more than ghosts, visions of the past. You know, very action line. They've manifested in hate and are designed to scare you here, right? And he goes on to explain, you know, fear and hate and how important it is because it increases your raw aggression and raw power, but they kind of limit your ability to focus and understand and it destroys neutrality so you can act pretty irrationally when you're emotional. Um, and then he says the key thing where he says, they can only hurt you if you let them. Then a figure stands before Ray and Luke. And then this figure's voice echoes. It's CGI Christopher Lee, who's <laughs> Count Dooku. And uh, it basically, this part I'm not really married to. We can change it. But um, basically, I figured that Count Dooku would be neat to have as Ray's grandfather. But I'm sure we can do better. I'm sure someone else can come up with something better if this is what I had. But, you know, they have a quick fight. And then Ray destroys her lineage. She knocks down Count Dooku and he disappears. And then looks like, well done. You must know that although it's important, your lineage does not define you. You know, again, messages of like your past being just your past. Who you are now is different. Well, I'm saying Luke's dad was Anakin Skywalker, so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was honestly, um, it was more of like a stump fight with Count Dooku because his head isn't there either. So he just kind of hits Ray with his arms. <laughs> float like, just ooh. Like, to, the left, to the left. No, it's like, it's like the Adam's family hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. No, uh, he's like fully materialized in this, but he looks more like hollow and kind of tortured. Once the fight is over and Luke says his line about the lineage thing, two crystals appear before Ray. She collects them. And then this pedestal arises from the ground that contains the holocron. And it's pretty cool. It's like a miniature black pyramid with red light in it. It's pretty neat. It was his holocron, Mr. Krabs. He was number one. Um, Ray then ignites quick 180 onto Luke Skywalker and points the saber right to his throat. Nice. And it's like, who are you? And then Luke just looks at the lightsaber and then looks at Ray. Like, kind of like, really? Like, really? You're going to try and pull this shit on me? And then he just turns around and walks away and then mentions that like the biggest challenge is yet to come. And then he's like, you must remember everything we discussed. And when I, when you overcome the trials, I will meet you on crate and we will, you know, go further from there. I'll explain everything. Fellas, fellas, let's not be too hasty here. I'll explain everything is what Luke basically says. Then he vanishes into thin air. Then Ray turns around. There's a small like shitty table that has a bunch of lightsaber pieces that have been there for some time it looks like luke collected them it's it's just a slab of rock as she's about to head to it the echoes and voices start getting more and more intense and then we see those sith lords we talked about they actually kind of come out of the wall and then their faces are all like black with like wow. smoke and like distorted she ignites anakin's lightsaber and she starts fighting against them but you know, the sabers actually clash, and then when they hit her, it actually hurts. Like, when they give a couple pokes, and she's like, ah, and she gets, like, scorched and shit. And it's spooky. Yeah, it's like, this picture, the way you described it, giving him a couple pokes. Yeah. And they're just, like, standing, and, like, they're standing really far away. Jeez, that. Like, no, stop it. Yeah, like but, <laughs> but then they, um, they actually do start, um, fighting her, and then... She realizes, you know, she remembers Luke's words. It's like, they can only hurt you if you let them. So then she decides to 
unignite the lightsaber or turn it off. She puts it on the ground and then she sits down and starts meditating as all these bad guys close in on her. That's when we transition outside to Exegol. And Finn and Poe and Rose, they all wait by the crescent with binoculars and they see a slight clearing in the storm. And then Finn feels something and he's like, Ray? Question mark. They turn around <laughs> and although she's all bruised, well, not all bruised, but she's a little bruised and like scorched. She's kind of uplifted and you can kind of feel that. Ray shows them the holocron and then they all do a big hug. Rose and Ray let go, but Finn and Poe still hold on to each other for a moment. They play it off a little awkwardly and then Rose is like, where's your staff? And then we see that the staff is gone, but she has a new longer lightsaber hilt and that has pieces of the staff in there. Then she decides to give Finn Anakin's lightsaber and she says, you know, this is yours now. You can train, use it, learn to master it. Then a lightning bolt hits the temple and the ground quakes like hard and the temple like shatters down the middle basically or cracks down the middle. And I was like, well, time to go. And then they all get into the crescent. And then as the temple starts to crumble and gets like engulfed by the planet, basically, the uh, ship just blasts off and is now bound for crate. Downward swipe. We're on crate now. Chewie lands there, and it's the same planet, so it's red and crystalline and with huge salt deposits. Salt. salt. It just looks like snow, too. It's red hoth. <laughs> um, and the resistance base that we see is much larger than the one we actually saw in the movies. It's like 50 times bigger. It can hold massive ships and stuff. Here, Chewie reconnects with C-3PO, and R2-D2 reconnects with BB-8, and it's a cute, heartwarming moment. Haldo mentions the distress signal again that she sent it and everyone from across the galaxy will come here for aid, she assures them. Then another familiar voice sounds like, Chewbacca, you old dog. And then Chewie roars and it's Lando. And then he's like, what have you done to my ship? And then Chewie roars again, angry. And then Lando's just like, all right, take it easy. And then they mourn Han Solo for a moment and remember him. And then Haldo's like, Chewie, I need you to get a small squadron of scouts and go like scout the area see if we can find anything right so Chewie gets Benicio del Toro and a couple of the droids C-3PO and R2 and a couple other random guys thank the maker you might not recognize me because I'm in a shit movie <laughs> and then they uh get the ships together they're about to head out when Slave 1 comes in which is Boba Fett's ship it's oh, that yeah. iconic ship right so that comes into the hangar lando and Chewie are on edge they're like uh what and then this female comes out in mandalorian armor and she's got a yellow shoulder pad that has the the mammoth tusk thing the, the mythosaur and then she removes her helmet and says like uh my name's zori poe sent me here to take a look at that and then she points at the falcon because it's literally falling apart that ship's getting worse all the time and then she looks at Chewie and Lando looking at the ship. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, that's my father's reputation. Trust me, I'm nothing like him, yada, yada. And yeah, this is Boba Fett's daughter. Dun, da, da, da. So the scout ship goes off, and then we do an upward swipe. And we're on the First Order mini fleet where Hux is making sure everyone's on track. There's a small fleet of like three big ships and a bunch of TIE fighters and transports and stuff on those ships. And he's making sure everyone's battle ready so that the moment they drop out of hyperspace, they're gonna go all out, like no, no grace period, no nothing. And he stands proud with his lightsaber clipped to his waist and then Snoke contacts him and then promotes him to the Supreme Admiral position. He's like, oh, like super excited. He's like, let's kill some like people. Let's do this, right? We get a diagonal swipe 
And then now, we're on Mustafar. Always on the move. We see the starship land, and Kylo Ren comes out with his two guards. And they enter this Darth Vader's castle on Mustafar. Bowser's castle. It's pretty rough. Like, it, uh, it's definitely not what it used to be. There's rebel graffiti. <laughs> graffiti. Lots of it everywhere. They go to a lava planet with spray paint. Luke was here. But, like, the socks is with two X's. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not my emperor. It's also a force-sensitive spot, so it's filled with horror and memories of, like, pain and sadness. And Kylo Ren starts to hear the robotic and echoing breathing of Darth Vader. He starts to shake and he falls to his knees. And then we see Darth Vader like fresh as day up here right before him and he's and his helmet's shiny and newly waxed it's pretty dope and it's like you dare come in here like james earl jones voice and everything and kylo ren looks at vader um and then they begin a nice steady fight that kind of is like uh i would say it mirrors luke and vader's fight in empire strikes back where it's slowly paced out but when they do make clashes it's pretty fast and intense right but there's a lot of yeah exactly very samurai-ish there's a lot of waiting in between so they do that fight and then you know vader goes on like, like yeah you're weak a disappointment to the skywalker name and all that sort of stuff right and then he keeps pushing kylo and pushing and like prodding him with his saber and everything then kylo Ren's like ah he screams more he screams and then and then the force like pushes vader back far and the uh, castle shakes for a moment and then he looks forward and between him and darth vader are these gray force ghosts basically of all the people that he has killed throughout his time because i know i was talking with alp about this and although kylo ren wasn't really a bad guy in this trilogy too too much he was a pretty questionable in terms of his morality and where it lies so he did take a lot of lives but i kind of did like in the rise of skywalker when he's fighting actual people at the beginning and how he just kind of slashes through them so these guys these ghosts they kind of start walking towards him almost like zombie like and then they begin to charge and leap at him and it actually kind of attacks him and hurts him and like stab him and stuff so Kylo Ren just starts going ham on them, like Anakin Skywalker in the younglings room. Like he just starts going all out, balls to the wall on these ghosts and like slicing through them. And every time they get hit, they like fade into ash and stuff. It's pretty neat. And then at the very end, um, he's about to swing and his saber stops right by Han Solo's throat. And Han Solo and Leia are just looking at them. And, or looking at him and he's just like what have I done and then he drops to his knees and then Vader's like you are fulfilling your destiny kill them and your journey will be complete and it's classic cheesy Star Wars stuff and Han and Leia are like please don't do this then Kylo rises and then he starts approaching them saber still ignited and Darth Vader manifests behind him and keeps edging him to do it and then in a swift swing Kylo Ren turns around and just slices uh, Darth Vader diagonally across the torso and then Darth Vader just like drops to the ground we hear the thumps of him drop to the ground and then you just hear the psh, the ashes and then he has a small interaction with his parents and then we hear Hayden Christensen's voice and he's just like it's not too late you know to come back from this and then it's like you'll be the best of us don't lose sight of that yada yada Ben embraces his parents one last time 
and he knows that he can be better and he knows that he has to be better all right so he storms out of the castle and then as he's leaving the praetorian guards try to stop him and then he gives them one chance to like you know don't do this because i don't want to kill you and then the guards are like no we're gonna we're gonna stop you so he adds two more to his kill count <laughs> and then he takes the ship and then flies away then we do a nice x swipe and then we're back on crate we see the scouting squadron and then i i kind of have this idea of a shot where they're on the ground but they're looking up at the sky and then we see the the first order mini fleet come out of hyperspace right above the planet and it looks pretty badass and then a bunch of tie fighters just begin their descent and then you see a bunch of transport ships bringing down big big atat -AT walkers like these guys are bigger than before all right and although this is not the first order at its full strength by any means it's pretty daunting so benicio's uh patience keeps getting tested by c3po and um the scouting squadron receives a transmission haldo's like we need you back at base the first order is here have you found anything and then benicio with the stutter begins to explain that there is a coaxium deposit but c3po keeps interjecting because benicio can't finish his sentence and this really pisses benicio off so they keep having a little back and forth like that and then static the transmission is cut and then this is where the crate battle officially begins we get a couple of new ships they're called tie wraiths they come down and they're basically a much faster they pack less of a punch but they're much faster than a standard tie fighter which those fighters are already really fast so they're super tie fighters and they kind of look like jedi starfighters mixed with tie fighters um chances of survival are looking pretty slim because these are full-on military ships against dinky speeders right <laughs> and then and then the tie rates they start coming down on them and then boom the crescent comes out of nowhere and just destroys a couple of them and then chewy um is like like happy and then another one's about to close on and then boom the falcon comes through and then chewy gets mad and then lando overcomes like sorry chewy i had to and then it's like you mother like what the hell then we see red five come out of nowhere and it looks bad it looks like it just got pulled out of the swamp in Dagobah, but it's been a couple years. Like Luke didn't even try to fix it. It looks rough, but it's kind of nice to see it there, right? So we get a nice spaceship battle where more First Order troops start coming down and Resistance ships come out, the X-Wings, but the Resistance is still greatly outnumbered and it's not looking great. On the fleet, Hux is like, send in more fighters, we must destroy them. And then a transmission comes in from Snoke and he's like, how goes the attack, General? And then Hux is like, they're just about to win, is what he tells him, basically. Because he's getting nervous. They're not about to win. They come back to the base, and then Haldo's like, we gotta get off this planet. Like, it's getting desperate, because the situation is desperate, right? And the Crescent lands, and Finn, Rose, and Poe, and Rey come out. Zori and Poe have some outlaw banter, and then Poe's like, hey, can you, uh, can you quickly install an ejection pod into my X-Wing? And she's like, ejecting in space isn't going to help you, but she agrees anyway. It's a kind of passive-aggressive statement, but whatever. <laughs> the old Disney plot armor. Red 5 comes into the hangar and lands, and Luke Skywalker comes out. The real Luke Skywalker. And he's old, frail, bearded, kind of like the gray beards from Skyrim. And he has one orange eye and one regular blue eye, but it's kind of faded blue. Almost like, is it cataract? Is that yeah. what it's called? Kind of like that. Um... And he slowly walks over with a cane, and then C-3PO super excited, and then the bass rumbles again, the, the rebel bass, not the instrument. Um, and then Holdo's like, I, I don't want to break this up, but we're in trouble, you know, we got to fix this stuff. Then they start talking, and Benicio brings up the coaxium. Ba -ba -ba -da. 
then a bunch of first order troopers break in and begin a ground assault on the base so they just start having a legit war in this base and then bb8 beeps in concern and then pose like it's so bb8 and then yeah i don't have a great feeling about this either and then you know <laughs> you get it right <laughs> this battle's getting worse all the time during the battle and gunfight benicio's like yelling and then he's trying to say that the explosion will destabilize the Coax even cause a bigger explosion, but he can't get the words out, so he's just like boom, like he says boom, right? And then the team discusses on how they can get this. There's this nearby explosives transport, which is on like the speeder that's like a pickup truck and that has the top essentially, or like the back of a pickup truck rather. So while they discuss, Benicio's like, you know, screw this. He jumps over cover, gets onto the speeder, and charges out into the battlefield. We see his transport dodging vehicles or shots left and right, and it's still difficult. Um, but he's charging for the coaxium deposit, at which point, like, the AT-ATs are basically on top of it right now. Just about to be. Back at the base, Finn ignites Anakin's lightsaber and starts, you know, deflecting shots, and it looks pretty badass. And resistance troops are, like, around him, and they're fighting. Then, uh, this one Praetorian guard comes up behind Finn and is about to stab him. <laughs> a lightsaber cuts him in half. And then it comes back into Ray's hand and it's a double-sided, white-bladed lightsaber and it looks pretty badass because it's purified Sith crystals, right? Real big nerd moment there. Then Luke doesn't really ignite his lightsaber, he just kind of uses the force to, like, push people into walls or like, throw rocks at people, like, stuff like that. Back on the battlefield, Benicio is having a harder time dodging them as the First Order starts devoting more resources to him. Then on the base, these guys are getting overrun. Even with three Force-sensitive people, it's getting difficult. Back to the battlefield, a big shot lands right in front of Benicio's transport, and it flips it over, and he lands on the salt rock very hard, and it launches the explosive containers towards the coaxium. And then Benicio has this moment, this character-defining moment where he looks at the uh, the transport and is about to squish him. And then he looks at the explosives. And then he decides instead of attempting to roll away and miss his shot, he turns out, pulls out his pistol and while prone on the ground, he says, boop, boom. <laughs> and then he shoots and then the explosives explode. And then it's a big explosion already, but then that big explosion uh, destabilizes the coaxium deposit in the ground. And that explodes so furiously that the ATAT -AT legs literally snap and it just because of the sheer twisting motion that the explosion like forces them the ATATs also like break in the middle of the bodies it's a pretty cinematic moment you see this big puff of white and then the first order attack is halted for a moment and while the first order troops are distracted in the base the resistance takes advantage and just basically executes all of them right in there then Luke talks about how he has the Sith holocron and Snoke has the Jedi holocron and how they're going to be put together to create this new weapon, the Dark Star. And then another rumble and then the alarms start to blare. Haldo says that a hyperspace jump from here will surely destroy them and the First Order, but they can't do it. Poe's like, we can't lose any more lives because Poe is not an irresponsible piece of shit <laughs> in this. He actually realizes the importance of sentient life. And then he's like, we can't lose any more lives. And then C-3PO calls R2 over and then they start chitter-chatting amongst each other and then Poe's trying to explain the plan and Poe's like, okay, guys, I'm sorry, like, am I interrupting something? Like, are you guys here with us or what? Then C-3PO's like, very well, I will do it. And then everyone looks at C-3PO and R2 and they're like, the f 
And then it's like, if no lives are to be lost, and seeing as how I'm actually not alive, then I will be the one to do it. Minimal losses, just like you guys would want. And then everyone's like saddened, but you know what? He's got a point. Hollow's like, you heard the droid. Everyone prepare for evacuation. So all of C-3PO's friends say goodbye to him one last time. And then Poe's like, you know, we didn't get along, but I'm glad that, you know, I was able to be by your side. Then C-3PO and R2-D2, they go to the ship. And then, you know, BB-8 says bye to R2 and it's pretty sad. He like, his flaps open up and wrap around his leg and hug. It's pretty, pretty sad. C-3PO stops at the ship, uh, like the ramp going up to it. And then he looks back and then when he's questioned, he's just like, taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Yeah, and then he looks at R2-D2 and he's like, and my best friend too. <laughs> and then they're like, aw, sad. And then Poe's like, may the force be with you. And then C-3PO goes on this annoying tangent where he talks about how droids can't wield the force. And the base rumbles one more time. And then it's like, okay, very well. May the force be with you as well. And then he goes back on. And also with you. And then they all kneel and pray. Outside of the base on crate, we see a bunch of the ships booting up. And then uh, X-Wings and TIE Fighters clashing. And then we see this massive capital ship just rise out of the base and starts making its way towards the atmosphere. Hux's ship is like, he clutches the lightsaber on his waist and he's like, what is that ship doing? And then the Admiral's like, it appears as though they're preparing for a hyperspace jump. And then Hux is like, blow that thing out of the sky. And then it's, they start like trying to open fire on it, but on the droid ship, R2-D2 and C-3PO stand in there and R2-D2 plugs into the ship and readies the jump. C-3PO like puts his hand on the top of R2-D2's head and then his light up eyes go dim. We see like from the droid's perspective, the lights like begin to stretch like they do in hyperspace. <sighs> Complete silence and the ship goes right through the First Order fleet, just like in The Last Jedi, shattering everything, nuclear blast, and it's pure silence until it's not. And it's super loud. Christopher Nolan ear destruction <laughs> loud. <laughs> And then on crate, they look up and then the shockwaves send the snow clean off the surface. So we see the crystalline rock underneath clear as day and it's a complete white snow salt storm. Sorry. We keep seeing more and more explosions appearing in the sky because like the ships are like finally crumbling. Holdo's like, all right, we got to move now. So before the debris starts raining down on us, so everyone gets out. And then they quickly make an escape uh, through the salt storm, leaving any of the remaining First Order people down there alone. On the remains of the First Order fleet, Hux comes to, and he bears witness to destruction. And the classic Imperial alarms are like, burp, burp, like the classic stuff there. As the Resistance fleet leaves, Hux makes eye contact. Somehow, he has like 50-20 vision. He makes eye contact with Finn on one of the ships and he gets super angry about it. Admiral comes up to Hux and he's like, Are you alright, Supreme General? There's one pod left, but I'm sure we can both- And then <laughs> Hux ignites the lightsaber into his like stomach and then just basically slices through. And the lightsaber blade is purple, which I will let you guys do what you want with that. <clears throat> now we're in the Resistance fleet in hyperspace and it's pretty sad because we lost- Benicio Del Toro, who's great. We lost C-3PO and R2-D2, who have been classics. And uh, it was in a very small amount of time. So Poe mentions that they will have time to mourn after, but they just can't now. So they plan an all-out assault revolving around three teams. I think one thing I forgot to mention is where this battle is going to take place. Luke, when he's telling everyone about Snoke and the holocrons and yada yada, does mention the planet Sinta, which is 
what we see at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, those icy mountains with the lake reflection thing. That's actually an asteroid, but I decided to make that a planet. That is a nice glacier on that planet, which is where the holocron is being held. So they make an, a, a plan where it's the aerial assault, which is going to cover or blast their way through the First Order blockade around Cinta, and that's going to have Poe, Zori, Lando, and Chewie with the Resistance fighters. There's going to be the Force users, who's going to be Rey and Luke, and they're going to be the ones to, uh, who are going to keep Snoke occupied and distracted, which is pretty cool because they're not the main part of the mission. They're just the you know, frontline guys as well. And then there's going to be the ground team, which is Finn and Rose and a small group of troops that are going to actually go into the core of the planet and retrieve the holocron. Because uh, Luke has all this intel somehow, and everyone's like, wait, how do you have all this intel? And he's like, well, for the last few years, you know, I've been I've been infiltrating Snoke's mind. So they've been having space anime battles in their heads over the last few years. <laughs> so Ben, Ben form or Kylo Ren, sorry, forms a connection with Luke and Rey and saying, doesn't really say much except he's like you know just trust me and then they're like uh okay i guess like i don't know what more we can do about it holdo brings up how no one came to their aid with the distress call so then poe's like you know what like we have a skywalker now you guys need to record a message so that's what they do holdo and luke record this incredibly inspirational message about hope and how you know we don't want Empire 2 anymore. We want a new Republic. They decide to do a big brain move and instead of giving some secret rebellion code that not everyone's going to understand, they blatantly give the coordinates of the planet that is Cinta. And they're like, this is where we're going to attack. This is how we're going to attack, which is briefly just like storm the gates, essentially. As it's broadcasted, like Naboo, Tatooine, Bespin, and even Corellia. Kylo Ren sees it in his own starship. Snoke's voice like echoes in his head and he's like, where are your loyalties? Like that stuff. And then Kylo's like, you know, trust me, I found myself in that castle. Like we're good. And then he's like, oh, okay. We see Hux in his escape pod and the transmission just ends, which is the mission of like, or the message, sorry, of Haldo and Luke. And then all of a sudden he starts choking like really hard and his face is going red. And then Snoke is like, uh, didn't you say something about like being super close to victory? And it's like, is that not what you said? And Hux can't respond. And then Snoke's like, did I misunderstand? Or like, did you lie to me? Or like what? Then from across the galaxy, Hux's lightsaber just like ignites by his ear and like burns his ear off Van Gogh style. Snoke is like, come back here and don't fail me again. Or I swear to God, like that sort of stuff. He comes out of hyperspace somehow before the resistance fleet because the plot demanded it. And we see the planet Cinta, which is a very icy looking planet. And it has a massive, massive First Order fleet. Like it's at least five and a half times bigger than what we saw on Crate, right? It's huge and it's completely surrounding this place. And now things have become even more difficult for the Resistance. Oh, sorry, I wrote 10, 10 and a half times bigger, not five. It's, it's huge. It's huge. What about London? It's not quite there, but it's but it's very close, very close. So we come back to the resistance fleet and Finn says something along the lines of like, you know, here's to hoping that this plan works. Luke and Ray and Finn have a little force chat and some mystic conversation about the duality in the force and how it makes you stronger rather than sticking to one code. And he says something along the lines of like an extreme is an extreme regardless of what side it's on. Right. It's actually, you know, upholding that whole neutrality thing. Then an alarm starts blaring. 
and Holdo on the like intercom is just like, all right, let everyone get to their places. Action, action. And then everyone starts to scramble. Poe and Finn bump into each other. Wait, wait, what? We're doing it now? <laughs> We're doing it now? This whole operation was your idea. Poe and Finn bump into each other and then they gaze into each other's eyes for a moment. But they, they want to speak and there's so much they want to say, but they just can't get it out. And then Poe's like, I'll see you after we win the war. Finn's like, after we win the war. And then they hug super tight. Zori takes her helmet off, Finn leaves, and then she like raises a brow at Poe and's like, and you wonder why we never worked out? And then Poe's like, don't get jealous of me now. Like that sort of playful banter. Then the final act begins. The resistance comes out of hyperspace and we see this huge first order fleet and they're just like, oh, it's bad. Poe is in the cockpit of his X-Wing and he's quiet. He's like, he has no words and he starts tearing up and Luke and Ray are both in red five and they're like, oh shit. Poe over the transmissions, he's like, I'm sorry. Like, I really thought we had a chance, but we're pretty right now. We flash through all the characters like Chewie and Lando and everyone that's just like, ugh, this is not good. Holdo's like, you know what? Our mission hasn't changed. Our strength hasn't changed. Uh, what they have in numbers, we have in heart. And it's just like, all right. And then Hux, who's now on board the Dreadnought, smiles as Snoke from like the surface of the planet is looking up into the sky and seeing the Resistance fleet, quote unquote. Boom! A bunch of ships start coming out of hyperspace, like the Stinger Mantis, Ghost, all these other ships. And everyone's just like, oh, what? And then this is where we can have that like, yeah, where Hux will be like, oh, you guys are scum. And then Poe's like, yeah, rebel scum. Oh. And then they go into, into battle there. And then it is the biggest, baddest Star Wars space battle we have ever seen. Lots of explosions. Wilhelm screams all over the place. It's great. It's cool. We get some nice tricks because that's or nice spins because that's a good trick. And then lots of sound effects. All the all the the whole shebang. This dreadnought comes through and then Poe's like, F it, we'll go through. So Red Five, Poe, and Millennium Falcon and the Crescent just charge through the ship, like through those force field gates. Just do a bombing run inside of the ship and come out the other side. Pretty badass. And then they head down to the planet. We see the icy mountains, the icy lakes, and it's pretty actually pretty cinematic. Um, inside Red Five, Ray's eyes are closed as Luke pilots, and then Luke's like, Do you feel him? She's like, Yes, right ahead. And then I kind of liked that thing uh, that Kylo and Ray did, where Kylo or Ray like jumped and like cut the wing of the X Wing or TIE Fighter, sorry. It was pretty badass. So we have a similar thing to that where Red 5 is charging along the ice towards Snoke. Who, by the way, I don't think I mentioned it, I really liked what Ryan did with Snoke in that he's like floating and never touches the ground. And his lightsaber kind of orbits him. So Snoke smirks as he sees Red 5 coming and he, his lightsaber flies so fast. He just launches it basically. And then Luke is like, oh shit! And then he tilts sideways so it cuts off like the both parts of the left wings and then the ship just spins wildly and crashes and it's a fiery crash too and slides on the ice then it's just like black and then they open up classic like uh post like traumatic uh war situation where it's like the ringing yeah ringing and it's like get up no but um ray gets out and then she sees that luke is kind of unconscious so she like breaks the area around the cockpit and pulls him out with the force and while luke is in midair it kind of looks dinky but then he finally comes back and he's like whoa 
thanks. Dalek is just like floating towards him. He's like, finally, I'll get what I want. And I'll get to kill a Skywalker as well. Like this is personal, yada yada. Then Rey, we finally see her like ignite the lightsaber, the double-sided lightsaber, and it looks pretty cool because we didn't see her ignite it before. We just see it flying. But she just ignites it. New rendition of Duel of the Fates playing as she does that. So it's badass and then they charge at each other luke and ray go towards snoke ground squadron finn and rose with a couple resistance troops they make their way into this doorway that's in the mountain the crescent lands and then they charge in and then they're just blasting shit but as they get closer and closer to the planet's core we see the bullets get wonky so you kind of have to aim higher because like the blast yeah the gravitational pull impacts how the the weaponry is working right and the movement is slow too and it makes there some pretty cool like deflections and shots and some really cool kills too Aerial support, we have Poe, the Falcon, and Slave One blasting their way through hordes and hordes of TIE fighters and first order ships, doing sick tricks and spins. They have some classic banter like Alpha saying their yeehaws and woohoos and all that sort of stuff. Then Poe flies above the Jedi battle and we have a smooth transition down to the Jedi battle where Snoke is doing really damn well against these two and we actually see Luke ignite his green lightsaber too and it's kind of a nice cinematic moment as well and they're just kind of clashing. Luke is very steady and composed and like slower but his strikes are accurate whereas Rey is very quick but not as accurate and she's doing a lot of flips and stuff. And Snoke has a lot of finesse with his orbiting lightsaber. It's pretty cool. It's kind of, I would, it's comparable to like Yondu and his arrow, I think. And that like, it's, it's very graceful almost. It's pretty neat. No whistling though. We see a bunch of Sith troopers charging towards Luke and Rey and they're like, oh shit. But then we get a bunch of resistance troopers coming from behind them. And then they start fighting. We come back to Rose and Finn. They find their way into this control tower and we see the core of the planet. And it's in like an ice wall. In front of it is... A pedestal that has this Jedi holocron and it's covered in like an electric force field and they have a really kind of like damn sentiment because there are a shit ton of Sith troopers and Praetorian guards between the control tower and the pedestal. Rose and Finn deactivate the shields on the pedestal so the holocron is free to grab and we hear a <laughs> what the hell just happened like Finn like touches his torso just to see if he got shot and he didn't, but then we look to Rose and she's like, ah. she like slumps into Finn's arms with a smoking hole in her back. And we see General Hux there and he is flustered and he's like, you will not leave this planet alive. He proceeds to open fire on Finn, but Finn deflects the blast and the gravity is wonky still. So the blast kind of don't even hit some at some points. So Hux is like, fine, I'll do it myself. Pulls out his lightsaber and then they have a fight there too. We come back to the force squad with the duelers. Uh, like uh, Snoke, Luke, and Rey. Poe starts sending shots towards Snoke to distract him a little bit more so Luke and Rey dive out of the way and then explosions and shots curve around them because the gravity is wonky in certain areas and because I wanted to have that in there. The Falcon continues to fight but then it takes a couple hits as Slave is doing its best to cover it. Then BANG! A rogue blast sends a blazing hole right through the Millennium Falcon and it crashes hard but again no time to mourn as TIE fighters continue to overpower the resistance. The ground squad Finn is way out of his element even against a non-force sensitive Hux. They keep clashing and Hux's strikes are very fast and very unbalanced so they're very hard to predict. 
Rose, struggling for her breaths, notices her pistol that fell out of her hands as she fell nearby. Pux gets the upper hand on Finn and disarms him, knocks him down. Finn's like on his face, basically on the ground. Then Hux proceeds to put his boot on the back of his throat, and he starts pushing hard. He winds the lightsaber back, and he's like, Long live the First Order! And then just as he's about to swing, we hear another bang! We see a hole go right through Hux's hand. It's Rose. So he pulls out his pistol and just full-on launches like three shots into Rose there. So she's done now, pretty much. Maybe. Finn sees that, and he gets more and more emotional, and his saber is nearby. And he tries to, like, reach out his hand. Luke's voice, like, echoes through his head, like, what he's told him. The lightsaber, like, shakes a bit, tumbles and rolls. And then Hux continues to, like, he's like, fine, I'll just do this, like, the old way and just enjoy it. And he starts pushing harder on Finn's throat. So then, just as Finn gets the lightsaber off and towards them, he fades. And then the lightsaber ignites in midair as it charges towards Hux. And then Hux is just like, oh, no! And then he, like, covers his face with his arm. Lightsaber slides through him like butter. Oh. And then he, it's like his arms and his head and torso is like cut in half in one swing just because of the placement of it. A breath of fresh air for Finn. We hear like his body parts like tumble and roll on the ground because it's multiple different parts. Finn rushes to Rose and it's just like in her dying breath. She's like, that's how we'll win it. By fighting for what we love. And then she dies in his arms. Then Finn rises with new inspiration, picks up his lightsaber and Hux's lightsaber and heads down to the Praetorian Guards, and he goes and sick on going on them. He just slices right through them. With the uh, resistance troops, they manage to kill them all. Finn, for the first time, finds himself in a place of leadership. He's like, all right, get back out there. I'll be right behind you. And he grabs the holocron, and it starts whispering to him. And then we cut to the battlefield again. You see Finn come out. He has the holocron in his bag. We see Lando and Chewie, they start blasting away from the refugees in the Falcon, they're alive at least, and the Jedi battle is a distance away, so he starts making a sprint. Then we see Kylo Ren's ship coming down, and then it's shot down by Slave One and Poe, and it just crashes violently. Um, Poe charges for Snoke. I have to do this! He's always like, Poe, no! And then as Poe is X-Wing is charging for Snoke, Luke and Rey dive out of the way again. Poe's like, long live the resistance. Snoke smirks, and he launches his lightsaber at that X-Wing. We see the belly of the X-Wing, and then we see the lightsaber penetrate the glass, and like his face to face with Poe. And then we see that ship crash, like this, like a flash, basically, in an instant. Or like in a matter of seconds, the ship just crashes violently. Finn's like, Poe! Ray turns to Finn, teary-eyed. Snoke force pulls the holocron out of Finn's bag and clutches it tight. You thought you could do that so easily. And Kylo Ren, drunkenly, basically stumbles out of the TIE fighter wreckage that he was in. He's just like, holy <laughs> like this. And he stumbles into the battle. Snoke starts cackling. Ray, Finn, and Luke are heartbroken. And Luke's like down on his knees, basically, because he, he's accepted that they've lost. Snoke does that whole bit where it's like, close your eyes and strike your true enemy down. Kylo Ren's just standing before Luke. He ignites his lightsaber, and then in another swift turnaround, he cuts off Snoke's arm holding the holocron. <laughs> and then Snoke's like, Ugh! For the first time, we see Snoke drop to the ground and actually touch the ground. He's like, you fool. Kylo says something cheesy along the lines like, no, I'm a Skywalker. <laughs> and this is the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and he looks to Luke, 
and Luke has like a tear. <laughs> Luke has like a tear, a single tear. Snoke's like, fine. He shoots a super powerful lightning bolt out of his arm. And you see like charred blood mist up from the wound and like, what is yeah, it, yeah. cauterize the wound? Yeah, yeah. Launches Kylo Ren like 20 meters away and throughout the whole time he's in flight, you see his skeleton. Finn manages to like force pull the holocron to himself and he's super happy. No, launches his lightsaber towards Finn. Luke charges in front of Finn, deflects the lightsaber, but the speed and intensity was so hard that it disarms Luke as well because it cuts like half of his like robotic hand. And you see the metal like all burning red drops down and then Finn gets hit by a bounce lightning bounce lightning shot from Snoke it's pretty badass Ray starts charging into the battle but she forgets about the flying lightsaber and it's how it's coming back to its master and you hear and she realizes too late so when she turns around lightsaber slashes her torso and she drops down scorched now we're at the climax Luke is on his knees and I'm basically at Snoke's mercy Snoke launches the lightsaber at Luke and Luke has both of his hands out and we've seen him lift heavy shit with the yeah, force, yeah, yeah. but he is struggling to keep this lightsaber away from him. He looks to Kylo, who's winded and just like coming back. Finn's like groggy and Ray's just scorched. And it's a cinematic moment for Luke here. This is his time to shine. He looks to Snoke and he's like, if you should strike me down, I will become stronger than even you could ever imagine. Snoke smirks and he's like, you underestimate my power. The lightsaber gets closer and then Luke with a teary eye, he looks back in Finn, Kylo and Ray's head. You hear, it'll be all right. I'll be with you. We all will. Yeah. He lets go and the lightsaber like a bullet flies right through his chest. It's not an illusion, like you see the scorching there and you see it's charred and he's just like <gasps> loses his breath, his eyes roll backwards and as he falls backwards onto the ice, he hits the ground and his body disappears, classic Star Wars thing, but his robes are still there with the okay. smoking hole, so he so did actually die. <laughs> <laughs> he's the invisible man. Ray's like, no! Kylo's like, no! And then Finn's like, Ray! When she's getting uplifted, you hear all the Jedi talking to her and stuff. Yeah. But she gets up, and then with newfound heart and drive, she starts charging. Then Kylo Ren gets up and starts charging to her right. Finn gets up and starts charging on her left. Kylo Ren also force pulls Luke's lightsaber, so he has the yellow and green. Finn has the blue and purple, and she has the white. And they charge in. As they're running, Snoke is just like, oh, come on. You see all the Force ghosts also behind her, kind of like in Lord of the Rings. They're not actually attacking. They're just there for intimidation purposes. They fight. They go hard, like uh, the three of them versus Snoke. And they're going hard, and Snoke is still holding very well, but he's really losing control because they're just too strong for him. Boom, the other arm gets cut off. Boom, his legs get cut off, and then he just sits onto the ground, basically, legless and armless. Ray is on his right, Finn is on his left, and Kylo Ren stands before him. Ray's like, any last words? And then Snoke like smiles menacingly, a true piece of shit to the very end. And he's just like, long live for the first And before he can finish it, Kylo Ren cuts him in half through the torso diagonally, right? And then it's done. All the first order is like, oh shit, here we go again. <laughs> so they, they start surrendering. We see Poe rise from the wreckage, very far away from the wreckage actually. Thankfully for that ejection pod, eh? Not like I hammered that in. Finn's like, oh, Poe! And he charges over to him and they hug and then they look at each other. Boom, they kiss super hard. And it's just the kiss we've waited for. Now we get to the conclusion where a new galactic union is established. And for the first time, they don't win by blowing up an entire planet or two 
planets. Starkiller base is dismantled. The halo station thing for the Dark Star is destroyed and dismantled as well. The planet is safe. We go to Tatooine where we see Kylo Ren dressed in gray. And he walks away from his ship. He's at Uncle Owen's house, which is like super decaying and destroyed. He watches twin sunset. And then in his head, he's like, are you ready? And then we see Rey on Acto. She's on top of the one of the mountains on the islands. He's like, yes. This is pretty cool because the way I looked at it is that Kylo Ren is looking into his past now. Because you brought that up, Ryan, about The Last Jedi when Luke was doing that thing. So I was like, all right, so we'll get Kylo Ren to explore his past. Whereas Rey finally leaves her past and looks to her future. And then they both destroy the holocrons on their respective planets far away from each other. Are you sure you don't want to join me? Like, we can be pretty cool Jedis. And then Kylo's like, no, I've wronged too many people, so I need to make some amends and yada yada. Sure, smile. On Acto, uh, we see Finn, Poe, BB-8, Lando, and Chewie. They decide to, like, you know, we have a promise to fulfill to Rose, and we're going to go on to liberate planets and they're going to be on a spin-off show known as star wars liberation we see zori bliss and she's like i gotta go my own way too and then it's going to be star wars new order which is going to chronicle the dawn of new mandalore so there's plenty of spin-off potential ray's like building the last temple we get the credit music but then everything goes black for a moment it's a post-credit scene what <laughs> we see a wicked and windy snowstorm raging and this hooded figure slowly walks into this cave. You see the massive trenches of Starkiller base in the background went before he enters it and the walls are barren with a couple like sparkly crystals here and there. They glow and they hum and it's pretty mysterious and the figure walks out. You see a crystal coming towards him and then he extends his arm out and then you see it's a, a, like a robotic hand with three clamps for fingers. Crystal lands in his hand. Hood is pulled down and we see that it's a droid that can wield the force. And this is the future of Star Wars. I'm calling it right now. And that's the end. I'm almost disappointed it wasn't Jar Jar. Yeah. So thanks for listening to our Star Wars trilogy. It is a little bit different and we obviously know it's not perfect, but is it better than the one we got? That's the important question. <laughs> and that's up to you guys to decide, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, at least at least ours wasn't a complete soulless corporate capitalization on a beloved franchise, right? That being said, the more I thought about our rewrites and the way we reviewed these things, the more I felt like we were the original trilogy fans. Yep. And uh, right. it got me thinking, I'm like, are we the bad guys? No, like it's something I think I said in my rewrites of Skywalker uh, review. But the indisputable fact is that there will be a generation growing up loving these sequel films and that's 100% fine the same way that we grew up with the prequels and the same way that the generation yeah. before us grew up with the original trilogy we're allowed to like things but we're also allowed to kind of point out flaws in it I'm not saying the stuff we like every 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 bit of it is flawed from the very beginning to whatever mess we're in right now there's always mistakes there's always errors you can definitely see like the little hollow instances of just product placement or creation littered all throughout and it's designed to be like that yeah i was uh i was saying uh the reason why this was inspired is because i was sent a video um of a uh, freddie prince jr who voices canon right yeah and he was going off about how like you know the original trilogy was made for kids of the 70s the prequels were made for kids of the 2000s and this is made for kids but he was obviously much more aggressive about it yeah. and then it got me thinking i'm like you know what he's right he is right but 
then I get to thinking and I'm like, you know, George Lucas just did a passion project with the prequels, which is why they ended up the way they were. <laughs> Chock full of racism. <laughs> the original trilogy was a forced collaboration because George Lucas wouldn't have wanted it to turn out that way, but it turned out so good because of that. And then this recent trilogy though, it really does feel like a money grab more than anything else. Cause you could see in the prequels that once you move past the racism, and once you move past the not yeah, so great <laughs> lines and all that sort of jazz, there was still like a bit of a heart to it and it did tell like a tragedy. But these movies just kind of, I don't know, they just feel a little bit so, now that I think about it, we're not the bad guys. We're not the original trilogy fans, so I don't want to be branched in the same thing as that. Well, I'm not at least, I'm a prequel fan. Yeah, I'm a prequel fan. Maybe, maybe we're like the anti-heroes. I was just like something to add on before Ryan gets a word here because he hasn't said a single thing since we started. He's this got something trip. brewing, I bet. Yeah, he's brewing something big. Like I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing it. I'm playing it safe. Listening to what you guys <laughs> are like. I, I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a prequel trilogy fan, but <sighs> we're a different breed than. No, OT. We're, you're allowed to like whatever you want. You're allowed to just kind of like say, "Hey, you alternate cut. You don't know me. I love Rise of Skywalker." The difference is, and like, even like... Oh no, <laughs> I really hope no one says that. Oh no. And then, um... <laughs> God. And then... Imagine it being worse than episode 9. Exactly. <laughs> like, as a, as human beings, fundamentally worse. Yeah, like, it's just that... <laughs> Sorry, just process what he said. But, um, it's, it's just that there comes a point between, like being an enjoyable movie and having heart and having moments even like two minute segments in that movie where you can just blatantly be slapped in the face with something that's so out of place and um and like with something or a moment a scene a line a character that's there for an ulterior motive beyond the actual narrative storytelling and i'm not saying star wars is a masterpiece in any way there's absolutely no way that any of those movies are perfect, right? I was gonna say, like, none of them have ever been, like, no. perfect. It's, it's all garbage except for five. Like, five, five is, yeah. And that's surprising, because that's the second one. Yeah, I know, it's a sequel. And it, and that's right. Like, if looking at it from a technical, movie-making narrative way, Empire Strikes Back is will always be superior to all the other entries in the series. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is that Rise of Skywalker had so many of those moments where it just felt hollow. And like I even went back to watch the previous movies to see if anything kind of parred up with that. And it's specifically that, like, like Rise of No Last Jedi tried something. It didn't really fit. Uh, honestly, there's like a lot of it that I liked, but the whole premise that, as Ryan said it, nothing really happened. Mm -hmm. That's what kind of it's kind of like okay, like you walked like 10 meters and took a 20 meter step back. <laughs> It um, also ended up being a little bit meaningless because yeah. of that last movie because they really just exactly. they really did do the second thing. If Retcon like, was number one, they did the second like thing. For they that they did place. the closest they can get to Retcon without it Retconning. Yeah, which is which is why this. I'm sorry, but like IMO in my opinion, because after all, this is an opinion. The sequel trilogy will always be below that because they did not nut up and say we f***ed up, but we're gonna work off of it. Instead, they said we. F up so we're gonna pretend it didn't happen yeah and that's why it will never be as good as anything else yeah but that's that's disney's mo though yeah it's modern disney's mo every time every time something is wrong they're like oh well sorry we'll fix it like they don't ah why'd you fire james gunn god damn it so annoying fired him to rehire him yeah because they up they didn't even stand by that <laughs> yeah political extremist was like this guy had some tweets 10 years ago and they're like oh my god he's the antichrist like, 
you, man. Oh, we f***ed up, so we're just gonna pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Come back, James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. No, That's like exactly what they did. In, in early Family Guy and early American Dad, by the way, those like first five seasons, amazing TV. They take so many shots at Michael Eisner, <laughs> like no, well, so Michael, many. Michael Eisner was a bit of a. Some people love him, but most people, I feel like, they don't really it's hate like him. But almost he, every two episodes. He had this weird... This is getting off on a tangent, but yeah. he gave Disney a weird manifest destiny yeah. mindset. And then because of that, that like whole turn of events there, this is where we are now. We're mm -hmm. here in the land of remakes and recreations of beloved childhood classics, creating something so bland, and not even oatmeal can be comparable to it. Going back to Star Wars, I think the thing that we all, that all fans can agree is that we kind of like that the universe that the Star Wars world mm -hmm. sets up, we like the worlds that they have. The species that they have and there's something that like distinctly feels star wars and you get that in the original trilogy right the original trilogy you focus more on luke skywalker than anything else but the world around him is like it's pretty clearly established in that it's it's a big big world right and in the prequels you get that too where you just get kind of a deep diving into the politics of it which you know no one really asked for it but we got it anyway but in this <laughs> one i feel like they just tried to do like even more character diving and no, no. it's just in the wrong ways though and um that kind of sucks because i think what makes star wars such an incredible franchise is the world that it's created and the mm -hmm. things that it has like the force the aesthetics the ships everything like that is there and in this one you get that but it's just there's something missing there's but, a key fundamental piece that's missing and that's the heart it's it's just like the the tin man from the wizard of oz where the exterior is all there and on the surface you have everything, you've got your lightsabers, you've got your force, you've got everything, but what it lacks is the heart. And that's because they just went full on into making this as profitable as possible rather than something worth like really buying into, I find. But, you know, kids are gonna grow up today with this as their prequel series or their original series, right? And that's this is, fine, good that's for fine. you guys. Yeah. Well, just like it. They're gonna float their own brooms over to them. Yeah. yeah. And I hope, I really hope we get a Broom Kid series because we need to un <laughs> unfake retcon Last Jedi because I don't like the movie that much, honestly. But like you gotta own up. To yeah, it. you can't, you can't just avoid it. If you're it. gonna fire James Gunn, fire him. If you're gonna make a, <laughs> if you're gonna make a second Star Wars movie, acknowledge it in the third. <laughs> yeah, or like build off of it, and also don't avoid an entire trilogy that has basically tripled the size of your fan base over the years. You know, because that's what the prequels ended up doing with all the right. content that came out of it, right? They ended up they ended up doubling the fan size at least, I'd say more than double. But it introduced Star Wars in a whole new way. And even with the shows, it introduced Star Wars again to kids in a similar generation as the people that grew up with the movies. The difference between us and like the guys who drove <laughs> Jake Lloyd to schizophrenia Bruh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that we're okay with it. We we find we're the, okay with driving him to schizophrenia. No, no, no. <laughs> I actually endorse that. We're okay with other iterations. We're okay with other people approaching these narratives and other narratives because it's supposed to happen. Star Wars, like Lord of the Rings, like any other fantasy thing you care care about that's so successful is because there's this detail there to the world, and you're able to build in that world. And even if what you build is a pile of shit, it's still a part of that world. So you get you either enjoy it for what it is, or you can ignore it, but it doesn't mean you have to get rid of it. Well, you, you can't if you wanted to even. It's just there. So be happy that we got Star Wars content. 
be happy that there's more movies for you to watch. Go home and watch Rebels, Clone Wars, watch... Gen I feel like we should re-record this. This whole thing is just negative as hell. No, I'm being positive. Well, here. Well, we'll <laughs> You're not! I well, am! Okay, not. So I guess the it's... thing that we're trying to say in all of this, and that le the lesson that we learn, although we rip on movies a lot, all it's... sorts of movies, we all, like we mentioned in one of the previous episodes, it's a miracle that anything gets made. And it's always Very incredible good. to see what people think of. It's also cool to see what we would think of other people's work and how we reimagine it. And at the end of the day, you're more than welcome to like what you like. And no one's allowed to really shit on you for that. We, yeah. can, we can shit on the item in question, right? But at the end of the day, we still respect everything. Because let's be real, there are a couple steps ahead of us. We have ideas that we want to do too, but... They haven't gotten made yet. These people actually got their stuff made yeah. so far. So at the end of the day, you're allowed to like what you like. You're allowed to enjoy what you like, regardless of what trilogy it is. I right? got it. I got it. Okay, I got it. So regardless of whatever you watch, you can like Star Wars. It's okay. I'm being calm now because Ryan was right. I was being negative. <laughs> I'm calm now. I, I, I had a drink. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. no what, I, what I am going to say is if at any point that you enjoyed any second of anything in the Star Wars like world, that means you've kind of given the creator the joy of kind of sharing that experience with you, right? So good for you on that. It, it doesn't matter if it's original. It doesn't matter if it's side content, prequels, sequels. As long as for even the, just a tiny bit, you're like, hey, I like this. And that means you're in a good place. You've given the creators the credit for that. It doesn't matter if they're a single person or corporation. It's just all good vibes around. That's, that's how I'm going to end it. And at the end of the day... <laughs> you actually beat me to that. I literally was going to say the At same. At the end of the day, that's what this podcast is about. about. It's about, although we, we disagree with some of the decisions we made, we still Enjoyed sit it. through the stuff. We enjoy, enjoy talking it. about this. We enjoy reimagining this stuff. And yeah. Ryan, any closing remarks from you besides <laughs> Rise of Skywalker and Disney? Hold on. Uh, Listen, all art... All art is subjective. Uh, that mm -hmm. putting numerical values or giving out gold trophies for things is all arbitrary. Um, <laughs> movies, Agreed. movies Agreed. are Honestly. just a creative expression, and if you don't agree with somebody's creative expression, that's fine. It's great. There's nothing wrong with that. We shouldn't attack each other for the things that we like. That's just insane to me. But at the same time. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place to call it. Thanks for yeah. listening to an incredible first season. We had a lot of fun doing this. I'll be nicer next season, I promise. <laughs> no, we won't. Yeah. It's a contractual <laughs> obligation now. <laughs> There's no contract. He just keeps us tied up in this room. Hey, shot. I'd like to take a moment and give some thanks and shout outs to a couple of folks that have helped make this series a reality. First of all, Prod Uji for producing some of the incredible beats that you have heard on this series, in addition to giving us full access to his studio. Secondly, to Al, he is a part of the website called Hinjaku, and they collect a bunch of articles and write articles on a whole load of entertainment things, so please take a look at that. RJ Nadonsky, you can catch him on YouTube under the name Killer Canuck, and he takes a deep dive into the history of Canadian horror. Williamson Studio, you can browse her shop on Etsy. She create the foundational artwork for our podcast artwork, so thank you very much to her. And finally, last but not least, 
to both Alex Kurilov Music and to the Guild of Ambience who have provided some incredible, incredible work throughout this podcast when it comes to some instrumental tracks and some ambience tracks. You can follow them each respectively on YouTube. I've posted all of their links in the description for this episode. With that being said, thank you, thank you, thank you for your unconditional support. We have a lot of fun when we do this and we're looking forward to an incredible second season. So keep an eye out for that. As always, here are our outtakes. Please enjoy. Every time I every time I say stuff, I make myself sound like a villain, so I just stop. Sorry, I'm on a swing and a miss here. Uh, Master Skywalker. That was my thing. That was my tummy. I don't know if you heard my tummy made that grumbling sound. I'm very hangry at this movie. Um, I'm hangry that they were somehow launched into the only sand tar pit. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. I don't hate the prequels. Come on now. I just don't. I just don't like racism, bro. Like. Uh, sorry, I almost mixed up my accents there. <laughs> Off banging chicks. <laughs> but yeah, that is kind of, I did want to kind of make this ship a bit iconic, yeah, yeah. but still have a Star Wars-y feel to it, but I don't know if that'll do it justice. Anyways. The ship speaks. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm still on Last Jedi time right now. Okay. <laughs> I just want you to know that the title of this recording is called Sky. Today we're taking, today we're continuing... Hmm. Okay. Today we're continuing with our Star Wars sequel trilogy reviews and rewrites. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome to the alternate cut. With a lightsaber throw. <laughs> you um. Oh God, I'm losing my anger. My anger is going away towards this movie. I'm calming down and becoming more rational. <laughs> Jana uses a bro a bow though, bro. <laughs> and my character series with this? No. Okay. I'm taking two steps back. Okay. Gary never let me get a hit. <laughs> it's funny every time. <laughs> There's also no Darth Sidious, cause you know, just no. They have Anti Yoda, who's evil Yoda. Let's settle this like sexy teenagers. <laughs> Irrelevant. Just go. I don't care. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. I'm happy you said that because now I'm picturing Disney literally has a hat filled with character <laughs> names and they just draw like hats at random. Like they have enough mind to draw any name at random and write a whole series about it. Bro, <laughs> next series coming is a Jar Jar and Watto spinoff, I'm telling you. Jado? <laughs> and it takes Watto. place after Order 66. The first episode is called Wongo Bongo. There's always a bigger paycheck. Oh, I can hear our neighbors throwing up right now. <sighs> yeah. They're throwing up their donuts with the hole. Finn does with an arm, for sure. Because that was his whole character arc in mine. And then Louie, or Louie. That's not what Magic School Bus said. A nice little downwards transition. I think I would rather eat glass than spend extra money on anything made by Disney. Oh, Making no. movies are expensive. It's way too edgy. Definitely not for the Chinese market, that's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, um, so now I didn't mention that when Ray and uh Kylo both try to pull down the spaceship, it's like a dick measuring contest. Dick measuring. Mm -hmm. Then I will give this movie one catapult skidoo out of 50. Oh, I didn't do my review thing right, that's not how I normally do it. Uh, 
then I give this movie one. That's how I'm supposed to do it. I didn't do it right that time. I not. I don't do numbers. I'm supposed to just make it stupid. Start like. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> there, that's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that fits in with Star Wars though, especially the second one. <laughs> then it's then it's poetry then. Spacism. All right. Sorry, Benicio del Toro, in all caps. <laughs>